Welcome, 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 everyone. This is episode three of the Option Menu Crew podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, with us today, and we've got three other crew members with us. Mark, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. How's it going? Doing great. Mike, how are things on your end? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Awesome. And we've got a new crew member today. Ed, what's up, man? Great. I'm excited to do my first podcast. That's awesome. So happy to have you and everyone here a part of this today. And we're going to talk about something I'm sure we're pretty much all excited for, not only the crew here, but our listeners and a lot of speculation going on. Mainly today, we're going to talk about next-gen consoles. Specifically, we're going to go over the PlayStation 5 event, because that was a really good presentation, at least in my opinion. And uh, the internet seems to agree, other than on a few specific points, and same with us. But then also we're going to compare that to the Xbox Series X information that we have so far, and then kind of give our thoughts on general next-gen wants, hopes, dreams, fears, etc. Talk a little bit about what we think Nintendo will or won't do and how Nintendo's doing in comparison to that. So uh, we're kind of going over everything next-gen related. So everyone's listened uh, or at least watched the, the PlayStation 5 event, right? Yes. Yeah, I saw it live. <laughs> that is correct. Awesome. So let's give a little background uh, on each other for the context of where our perspective currently is going into next gen. So for me, I mainly game on PC now. I've been migrating from consoles to PC. I prefer the higher performance, higher frame rates, and just the the versatility, having basically guaranteed forward and backwards compatibility with software when it comes to third-party titles. I still have a PlayStation 4 Pro. I do that for all the Sony exclusives. I did buy an Xbox One way back in the day and was hoping for more exclusives, but then as things kind of migrated away thanks to Xbox Game Pass and the, the Windows Store and Microsoft's initiative there, I've, I got rid of my Xbox One. and uh, I do have a Nintendo Switch as well, and I'm considering buying a PlayStation 5 at least and the Xbox Series X if things are going to continue the way they are. I really don't see the point of buying that in terms of uh, a next-gen console so that's for me mark where do you stand yeah. yeah i'm i'm in a very similar boat i i don't know whether or not i'm going to be buying next-gen systems whether it be xbox or playstation in the first say three months uh likely going to be truly there after my my xbox one is still kicking it's holding up i own a nintendo switch as well which is which model primarily... of xbox do you have I have not the OG, not the S, but basically somewhere in between that. You know, I know the first batch of them were having a couple of issues early on, but I do I don't have an OG day one, I think is the edition that they were calling them. Let's just say generation one, if if there were about three of them, I believe. Yeah, that makes sense. Um so most of my console gaming has been on Switch for at least like the last year, though I did actually just boot up my Xbox earlier today. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see a little bit more from what Xbox, I know we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and, and if it's not clear already with how many times I've said Xbox, I do get a nickel every time I say it. I'm a big Xbox fan. I don't want to necessarily call myself a fanboy, but I do have my boxing gloves ready for this PlayStation discussion today. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Mike, and where do you currently stand with your gaming consoles? Uh, so recently I've been playing a lot of Switch over uh, other things. I started... Uh, this generation with the Xbox One, I got it 
maybe a year or two after it first came out. And then two years ago, I decided to, there was a deal for the PlayStation 4 with the Spider-Man. So I got that and I played through Spider-Man. Really awesome. enjoyed that. So that's where I'm at right now. Okay. And then, Ed, what is your gaming platforms of choice as it currently stands? Well, historically, I am a uh, PlayStation gamer and a uh, Nintendo handheld gamer. So I've always liked the Nintendo handhelds, always liked the PlayStation consoles. Uh, this gen, I started with the Xbox. I got it day one because I was really interested in the media features, which never ended up using that much. Uh, I did get the PS4 for the same deal that Mike uh, got, and I did like Spider-Man. I've since bought a lot of other and played other PlayStation 4 games. She no longer have the Xbox. I've uh, kind of gotten away from my Xbox phase. I flirted with that for a little bit, but I'm kind of the opposite of Mark here. I am, I'm going to be a PlayStation 5 defender for this uh, conversation. Okay, sounds good. So that's basically where we stand right now, and obviously a lot of that can change because there's still information to come out despite how big the PlayStation 5 reveal was. There were key details that weren't left. We still don't know the full picture on backwards compatibility. Obviously don't know the price, let alone the release date, though there's some stuff that's hinting towards a November release date. We'll get into that a little bit more after we go through the presentation. And Microsoft has said they will do a second Xbox Series X event in July that will be focused on first-party software, hopefully actual on-hardware gameplay. That remains to be seen, but, you know, hopes are high, and obviously eventually we have to see something, Halo Infinite being the big showing for that. But we're going to transition into talking about the PlayStation 5 event. So before we get going, I do have a bullet point list of all the games we that were shown there. But let's get your overall feelings on the presentation. Just a just a quick summary summary of you know what you felt after watching it. So for me, I was really impressed. Definitely, there was more gameplay shown of the games than I thought, and it was a really interesting variety of games. Not everything speaks to me, but there was a lot of stuff I am definitely going to try. So, uh, Mark, what was your like general summary of feelings after watching the presentation? Good question. So there, there was a lot to unfold from my perspective. Um, a lot of, a lot of new games. Um, I think there were quite a few that were PlayStation exclusives, right? I think there were at least half a dozen. I, I think that was kind of the biggest thing for me from an Xbox perspective. Looking in, and and I know again, we'll we'll segue into chatting about Xbox in a minute here, but just primarily looking at PlayStation, I think a lot of that stuff looked really cool. Some of it definitely felt like more of a tech demo. You know, it's also the first time that they're showing off this stuff. So that's absolutely to be expected. But there wasn't necessarily anything like groundbreaking from my perspective that I would be like, oh, I need to buy a PlayStation on day one. But again, just with, you know, I, I didn't mention earlier, but I do a lot of PC gaming. So that's why I'm not necessarily in that market right now to buy a new console. There were some cool things. Spider-Man looked super cool. Gran Turismo was probably my favorite of all of the games that I saw, but there was no gameplay. It was, I think, just all cinematics, at least for Gran Turismo. Um, I think they they opened it up with GTA V, which this will be the third generation. I'll go through the, spe the specific list there, so okay. don't feel like you have to recant all the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was it was good. It was definitely a bit longer than uh, what I had envisioned, at least comparing it back to the Xbox One. But 
um, I'm curious to see kind of the next step that both companies take for sure. Awesome. Mike, what is your initial reaction after seeing the PlayStation 5 reveal event? I have to say I was really impressed by it. I mean, starting out with last gen with Xbox and, and now like thinking, oh, I, I think I actually want a PS5 this generation. Uh, might not be like a day one purchase, but uh, definitely got me hyped for that. I, I, I like Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart. Uh, those were two that stood out to me. There were a bunch of others that looked really cool as well, uh, like that, that Destruction game. Mm -hmm. But yeah, those are my thoughts so far. Okay. And then, Ed, what feelings did the PlayStation 5 event leave you with? Honestly, it was really one of the better presentations I've ever seen for a next-gen uh, console in terms of the games lineup. I know a lot of them are not launch day exclusives, but it's really exciting to see that even when the, within the first year, we can expect a lot of new and uh, exciting experiences. For me, the standout was uh, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. I thought it looked great. I think the it seems like it'll use capabilities of the PlayStation 5 very well. And uh, I think when that comes out, that might be the tipping point for me to the console. That's awesome. Fantastic. Those were great impressions, guys. So I have the list here of the games that were shown in the order that they were shown on the presentation. So we'll kind of go around the table one by one talking about them. And I'll start and then everyone can just kind of chime in as they, they feel comfortable. So the first thing they showed off was Grand Theft Auto 5, which in the presentation is that will it will be given away initially for free for PlayStation 5 owners. It's not clear whether or not that means they're creating a specific PlayStation 5 version or if that's like an enhanced backwards compatibility version for people. It's not really clear in the language. Will account information carry over through the Rockstar uh, account system? Some of these questions definitely weren't answered, but it's really cool. On top of the announcement that they would be giving away a million dollars every month, I think, to every player in Grand Theft Auto Online. Real cat. <laughs> yeah, if, only, if only. But no, in the Grand Theft I'll Auto the Online... That's the case. Right? <laughs> in Grand Theft Auto Online multiplayer mode for any for ps4 users with playstation plus the the free version was that only for online or was that gta 5 like the whole package because like i think rockstar or rocksteady rockstar rocksteady rockstar don't they split don't they split the two properties as kind of two different games in a way it's it's funky but the way things are when you buy Grand Theft Auto 5, you get Grand Theft Auto Online included in the package. So it's basically sure. the multiplayer mode of the game. And then the campaign is uh, like a separate mode, but everything's tied together. As far as I know, that's how it's going to be carried forward. So you're going to get the full Grand Theft Auto 5 experience, which based on the trailer, they showed plenty of scenes from the cutscenes with a small yeah. mix of stuff. Because there's tons of stuff shared between it in terms of like assets and, and NPCs. Well, the so, whole city as well. It was definitely funny to see like this PS4 game really get shown without any real visual indications of improvements or any idea what the improvements PS3. will be. Yeah, it, yeah, it came. Yes, originally came out 2013, and that's why that's what I was getting at earlier. This is the third generation that this game is going to be at, which I'm sure games have, you know, evolved and and gone on even more generations than. And just the three but it's it's quite powerful 
the fact that GTA 5 is is still in 2020 and going to 2021 this big of a deal. Yeah, them showing off legs. It's got legs. I mean, they're still making the money. I I think it's a smart decision by Rockstar. Yeah. Exactly. It is interesting to show it as like the first thing, so that's a little underwhelming. It's a weird tone setter, but they they really do make up for it in my opinion going forward and we'll we'll get to that. Uh but you almost half expect to see right after that, hey, Skyrim PS5, you know. It's it's <laughs> it's that rolling joke where it's it's on toasters now, it's coming to a PS5 near you, Skyrim. That was interesting, but it ultimately it sounded like good information. I'm happy to hear about PlayStation 5 people getting a free game. I know how big that is. It is the top for PlayStation 4. It is the top selling game on that platform. It is third party and it is on everything. So it is a huge commercial success regardless. It makes complete sense. Uh, it was a little weird, but then they made it clear that from here on out, we're talking ex- PS5 games that were developed exclusively for next gen. And some of the messaging is dubious on whether or not they're timed exclusives or first-party exclusives, though the best hint is probably the logos in front of the trailers where it said PlayStation Studios, PlayStation's new branding, to indicate games coming from their first-party and I I believe also second-party relationships, but that's not 100% clear, and that's one of the other issues we'll we'll kind of summarize at the end of this presentation. So the first game they showed that was intended for PS5 is Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I was super hyped when they showed this because Spider-Man for Marvel's Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 was incredible. It is one of my favorite Spider-Man things of all time. And considering that the movie Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was also just a mind blowing experience. Like it felt like finally Spider-Man is getting his due (laughs) in terms of video games, like for real. It, there was some confusion around what this was. People were wondering if this is the full sequel, because it has been about two years since the first game came out, or what this if this is going to be DLC expansion or whatnot, or coming with a collection of the game. And further information outside was confirming that this is going to be a smaller standalone title, so you don't need the first game to play it. It will just be the package, so just, just putting that out there. They did show snippets of gameplay. It was enough for me to be like, yep, that's that's definitely in-game. That's what that's going to look like. It's just good camera work. So I was really convinced in that regard. Uh, your guys' thoughts? I, I think like that's going to be a must-play. I mean, the first one was... I thought it was really good scale. It was, it was a good, tightly designed city, good combat. I mean, I can't say enough good things about... Uh, spider-man for ps4 the only thing i'm a little disappointed about is uh that it is smaller scale i mean i understand their timeline they want to have something out for the launch but i'm wondering you know how small they really mean because the first one only took me you know 20 25 hours they didn't do everything but if it's 10 to 15 hours i might feel like i'd come out of it wanting more which isn't necessarily a bad feeling to have true it gets you hyped for number two yeah, it looks cool. Like new, new enemies, new storyline, uh, exciting and, and fresh. I like the new uh, snow aesthetic. Like that wasn't in the original game, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, it didn't take place during any uh, of the winter times. And the new perspective from uh, Miles' view uh, should be pretty interesting. Yeah, his his character popularity has been growing over time, so that's that's also a really good thing for them to show, and I think also highlighting miles morales at this current time in the world has uh was was either very well edited or is just a really happy coincidence in terms of 
uh, PR for PlayStation. Yeah, I think that was... I, I was kind of thinking the same exact thing, uh, Birch, and that was one... I, I was saying Gran Turismo earlier uh, as far as the one game that kind of stood out for me, but yeah, Spider-Man was definitely one that... I haven't played a Spider-Man game in many, many years, and I would love to. It's just... It's, it's cool. Yeah, and uh, one of the first things I said, just hearkening one more time to the to that, is when they did delay the conference one week, and I saw that was this... I immediately called out, like, they totally moved this trailer up in the presentation after everything that was going on with, with protests and whatnot. Absolutely. And I think it's a great move. I think it's fine. You know, I have no issues with that. It's just one of those things where I feel there was a meta moment that I found humorous, uh, regardless perspective there. So our next game was Gran Turismo 7. So, Mark, you said you were yes. extremely excited. I am not personally a fan of simulation racing. We've been playing a bunch of Mario Kart, so it's kind of clear yeah. that I've been having tons of fun with <laughs> arcade-type racing games. Yeah, and this, I was like, okay, this is the PlayStation sim racing series. Xbox has Forza, and they have their two brands of Forza. So yes. Gran Turismo, I was like eye-rolling. I'm like, okay, of course you're going to show pretty cars. They're one of the easiest things to scan in and do pretty lighting on, yada, 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 get on with it. I will give them props, though. It was the only game that showed full gameplay with a HUD and, like, in-menu systems, so they did show that, and they did that extended sequence where you're actually in the driver's seat, first-person driving, and they have all the, at least, may not be completely final HUD elements, but it was the only yeah. game to really show that much, that many HUD elements there. And what do you... What did you think about the... They actually, like, paused for a minute and, like, showed off the menu and kind of how you were moving around, like, picking your next mission? Like, did you feel like that kind of took you away from, from that experience? No. No? I, I don't care about the game in general because of what okay. it is. So I appreciate it just like, oh... And I, I was just a little bitter that it's like, oh, for this game, this is the one we're going to actually show, like, real gameplay. But with, with that, any other time they've shown off, like, sim racings, all they do is just essentially car commercial level of cuts yeah. <laughs> to cars rounding corners and vrooming Almost past the camera crashing. yeah yeah it looks like a really nice version of that type of game and if i were in the simulation racing games like uh i'm not you ryan but uh i i, I would be into this yeah yeah that's fair yeah and and i play i've played every single forza except for maybe like horizon one and two um or maybe one and three i think i think i skipped one of them game looked incredible you know and and it's i again i've played one of the early ones of gran turismo but i haven't owned a playstation in many years or i haven't ever owned a playstation but i haven't played a lot of the library in, in quite a few years so what i'm getting at is it looks incredible we're assuming there's a next you know announcement or something coming up for forza 8 that series though has you know motorsport that is that it's had a, a rough road i, I know that's for a bigger topic another day, um, but Horizon has been crushing it. It's still a very, very popular game. Either way, it's it's exciting. It looks like a great game, at least Gran Turismo that is. Kind of curious to see how it all shapes up. And uh, But that was, going back to my original kind of first thought impression, like that's where I was kind of like, all right, you know, this is a little bit more of like that tech demo type aspect. And again, that's what we should expect for the first sort of, view into this next generation um and it always happens every single generation that we see racing games because there's not a whole lot of like moving pieces in the sense of explosions and physics you know outside of the actual cars themselves um and and i'll never forget i think it was 
going into Xbox One, it was all about Forza 6 with their wheels that were squishing and the air pressure. And it's just like, that's cool and all, but how does it actually play? And like, what's the career and the online lobbies? You know, like that's what really matters. So that's where looks cool but let's see how things shape up in the next few months right yeah and then quick aside before we get to mike's thing uh for you mark you've played both regular forza and forza horizon correct yes do you have a preference between the two do you appreciate them each for their own thing or where do you fall in that regard good question yeah i i like both of them in their own regard i like i said forza 5 i was really really into like pretty much up until five. And then things kind of started changing for the worse microtransactions and online lobbies that were just crazy as the game got more, more and more popular. Cause this is a game that has existed since the first generation Xbox where I played, you know, I owned every single one. I had a lot of fun, but I just couldn't take it anymore. And I literally, that was one of the first games that I'm like, I'm done. I'm not playing online because going in turn one, just getting slammed from behind. It's, it's not fun. So, you know, but then going into horizon, that's what it's all about just crashing and just going off launches you know 300 feet in the air and having to hang time for five seconds and yeah it's a very very different world so okay and then one other thing is it's funny because i I understand how simulation sports racers can be great tech demos for new next generation gaming tech it's so sad how the companies that license their car models from my understanding, from listening to other podcasters and insiders, gaming journalists, etc., I've explained yeah. like a lot of these licensing deals, they don't like to have their cars messed up, so we don't get like good destruction tech yeah. on the cars. The bodies don't get to deform. So there's certain physics aspects well, that aren't yeah. in these games that a lot of the stuff ends up being a lot more subtle for people who are familiar with these uh, simulation racers. They will understand when they when they feel it and play it, or there's certain subtle things. It, it's it's just almost kind of a shame that they use these as tech demos when all the the real improvements that occur there that could be extremely impressive are are so subtle and exclusive to the way the simulation aspect has to work. Many years back, Porsche and EA they had some relationship, whether one owned part of the company or or vice versa. Uh, that's the big reason why Porsche wasn't in Forza, I think five and six. Uh, and I think it's since come back, but it's just, you know, why, why, why are we restricting it to sort of that? Essentially what I'm getting at is, you know, need for speed is where you would go to play um, if you wanted to race a, a Porsche. Okay. And let's, uh, let's take a hard stance here, Mark. You, you have more experience with this than us. You're more likely to buy the game than us. So <laughs> tell the advertiser specifically, are you more likely to buy the game if they let the bodies get crumpled up and crashed? Hell Yeah. You know, that's one of the first things that we do. We go on Le Mans, go at 200 miles an hour as fast as possible in a private lobby with our friends and smash and go crazy. So if if we can't do that or if we turn into ghosts when we go in reverse, it's not as fun. But there's a time and a place because, like I said, when you're online, you know, you just want to race and and have fun. Um, That's what uh, Destruction All-Stars is for. (laughs) (laughs) And we will get to that. But yeah, uh, Mike, did you have anything... You wanted to add about Gran Turismo 7. Uh, if they give me a free car, I'll play. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. I... <laughs> they like dollars million dollars. a free car with Gran Turismo. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, it's five, day one. It, it looked good. I just, I'm not into, uh, I mean, I'm into the Mario Kart racing games, not the simulator 
racing games. Understood. That's completely fair. So now we're going to move on to the third game. And I meant to say this at the start. They showed 26 games during this presentation, which I had no idea. I first remember hearing that they, it was going to be a little over an hour long was their initial thing. And I was expecting maybe we'd spend time with about t 10 games at most, maybe 11 or 12, you know, and then there'd be a lot more time spent going deeper into each game. But the sheer number here was just part of the thing that really impressed me. So I just wanted to point that out because I, I didn't, uh, I wanted to say that at the, the very start. But number three here was the, uh, another exclusive, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I'm personally not a big Ratchet and Clank fan, but I've had a little more experience thanks to the PlayStation 4 uh, remake slash reboot of the first Ratchet and Clank game. I played it a little bit because I've got a, uh, my cousin has a, has a kid who's about three to four years old, and, and he watches us play games um, when we're hanging out. So that's a game where they're like, hey, he really likes this. Could you play it a little bit for him? Because he's not fully coordinated enough to play, so he'll sit there and watch and you know has a good time. So I've played a little bit of there. I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. It definitely looks pretty. And this game, uh, what they showed here, is looking quite neat. And I feel like I really want to give Ratchet & Clank a chance now and maybe even play that reboot game that came out previously, hopefully enhanced for PlayStation 5, and really give Ratchet & Clank a shot and jump in here. It, it supposedly is supposed uh, to be showing off some of the fast loading tech when Ratchet's going through the portals and things like that, and a YouTuber smartly pointed out that you can kind of still tell that there's a little bit of loading because there's little bits of pausing and hitching here in the visuals that just are really obvious, but considering we've been trending towards faster and faster loading speeds, it doesn't give off that same feel of like, oh, here's Tip's loading screen that we're also used to. It was just in-game, moving through these environments that also seemed really important, uh, or, uh, sorry, a lot of variety and detail and jumping in. And then they end it with a little bit of an actual extended gameplay sequence. And while it wasn't a full HUD, they did show like the weapon wheel and things like that. So I woke up that. I was really surprised that they, they stuck with that. And even though they didn't give a date, that, that gameplay sequence made me feel like this has got to be like super close to launch. Uh, so those are my feelings. What are, what are you about you guys? Well, I am probably the biggest Ratchet and Clank fan on this show. Uh, I actually played the PS4 one recently, and I came out of it thinking that looked really good. So you can imagine my, uh, my uh, feelings when I saw the new one. Is the reboot the only one you've played, Ryan? I've I've seen footage of the old ones, but I never, for whatever reason, it just didn't really appeal to me at the time, and I never really took the time to play those, or Sly Cooper, or Jack and Daxter, and I know, like, there's a lot of PlayStation fans that will crucify for me for that. It's just, it was just a different thing, but I don't have anything against them. They just didn't seem like they were my style. I would definitely not say they're bad games, but no, I just, I didn't really give them a chance, and, and now, with the situation in my life, I'm definitely a lot more open to trying different stuff, especially since they're third-person action games, like, that's that's my my jam. So I will say the the reboot on PS4 is probably not the best one. I, I came out of it thinking it was looked really nice, but maybe underwhelmed by some of the the level design uh, and mechanics. PS3 ones are really good. I played all the ones on PS2, so I'm really excited for this new one. Like you said, the way they're using the uh, new memory tech to minimize the loading times looks really great. This is probably my number one game. PS4 exclusive that I, or excuse me, PS5 exclusive that I am excited for. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of like sci-fi and the the idea of the portal tech and jumping through like multiple dimensions or jumping through space, whatever. It looks really fun, like that kind of aesthetic 
narrative type stuff really does interest me. So I'm I'm also interested in a fundamental level, even if maybe the other one isn't as good. It's like I'll, I'll give it a chance. I can always rent it or or get it on a very cheap sale and and give it an honest shot and just see what happens. It's definitely worth playing, and the characters are very charming. You know, you grow to like them the more you play it. Uh, it's got that kind of Pixar movie movie quality where it's does have adult appeal, but it also is kid friendly. Yeah, and that's definitely another thing that's that's up my alley. So, um, I'm, I definitely am going to keep an eye on this and, and and give it a shot on top of the the last the previous one as well. Hopefully, it'll be enhanced for PlayStation Five. Visually, uh, it looks stunning for sure. Have not played a Ratchet, but it, it's definitely probably top three from that whole presentation. That you know, that's one of those games that looks super cool. And going back to what Ed was just mentioning, like cartoony, cute kind of art style. Um, it looks like it'd be a fun kind of just chill relaxing type of game um but it it also was the first you know gran turismo was showing off cars it's uh, going back i think it's a little bit easy to kind of show some of that stuff off uh but it seemed like ratchet was showing off a lot of like moving pieces and explosions like that's where it was like all right you know this is a next level um console game right yeah and, and for me i thought i thought the dimension warping uh looked really cool like Ryan was saying, and and uh, you seem to be able to do it on the fly. Like it seemed like it was like integrated into the game. Oh, and they showed a surprise character at the end, the new uh, Lombax. So. Oh yeah, Lombax. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has there not been a female Lombax before? before. There have been. That, I think there's been female Lombaxes before, but uh, this one seems like she'll be playable. Yeah, that that definitely seems like what they were hinting at. Yeah, the, the portal technology they showed in there, like, in the actual gameplay, they showed it more like it was just kind of like a shortcut jumping in world, but hopefully there'll be stuff more akin to set pieces inside the other game where you might be jumping between dimensions in a single level, or they'll hopefully mix up scenery. I, I'm assuming that's what they're building to, is, like, things will start, dimensions will start collapsing in on each other. And then you'll be hopping between these interesting mixes of environments as well as maybe pulling elements back and forth. Who knows? My hopes might be too high, but those are the kind of things that with next-gen tech, I hope that's that's closer to and they can really play with those those kind of things. Yeah, what like a good great opportunity for a villain to start, you know, collapsing dimensions on you. And uh, I think there's some good uh, ideas for narrative there to go along with the technology. And also with the dimensions, uh, someone floated this idea, so it's not my original thought, but I do agree, and I think it'd be neat, is with this multi-dimensional, or hopefully multi-dimensional, it's not just uh, blending between space, since Ratchet and Clank takes place on a galactic scale. Impressions and thoughts if we get Jack and Dexter and Sly Cooper mixing into this, because they're also kind of <laughs> in that same aesthetic with uh, those. So for PlayStation, if they encourage those crossovers, how how cool would that be for you, or is that like... Ah, I, I could pass. I don't know if one game can handle all those characters. They're they're pretty strong personalities. PlayStation All Stars barely handled it. <laughs> <laughs> Add Kratos in the mix, and I'm sold. There you go. Mike, you have any thoughts? Oh, I, I'm good. Uh, thank you. <laughs> okay, and then Mark, you got a take on that? All good over here. Okay, no problem. So the fourth, technically fifth, uh, the. The next game shown was the first potential new IP from Square Enix called Project Athia. We got little snips of prototype gameplay and a little bit of, of narrative backstory for it. Very little. I'm kind of convinced that this is probably in development. It's just really far away and they didn't want to 
say how far and Sony was probably asking for something from them and they didn't have anything else ready. Previously on Nintendo debuted Project Octopath Traveler way ahead of time and they kept advertising it as Project and kept showing more and more gameplay. And then eventually they did their reveal trailer and said, yep, it's just called Octopath Traveler. So I'm imagining this is going to be called like Athia plus a subtitle or something like that. And from the brief little snippets I saw there, it looks like some kind of third person action RPG with crazy magical effects and things like that. The, I think the, the female character had sneakers on, so it's like a cross-dimensional yeah. thing. And that like yeah, made me go, I noticed Ooh. that. that, that I, I, I noticed that on the second watching of the trailer, and I, I didn't notice the first time. I, I thought that was a little strange. Um, so I don't know yeah. what angle they're going for there, but I'm eager to hear more. So without a lot of information, I'm interested. I would love to see this game be a, a real thing. And that, that, that's my current takeaway. So what about you guys? Is this a game that's going to come out in like 10 years or something? You got to flip a coin <laughs> on that Square one. Enix, probably like 15. Exactly. But initially, is this a game you'd want to try? It looked interesting. Okay. Mark? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to add to that. It looks cool. Let's see. Let's get a date and and see what it's all about. I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's really surprising that they would also place it in the presentation like this, where we've got plenty of other new IP with actual titles and more likely to be real games, but whatever. So we don't know the details behind that. But our next game was the first one without like any sort of gameplay or discernible gameplay, but I am totally into it because of its narrative conceit, which is that you will be playing as a cat in a world of robots. <laughs> the game is called Stray, and it I didn't even catch it the first time uh, I watched the trailer. I was focused on the robots. I'm like, oh my god, you're watching in, you're in this dystopia where there's nothing but robots and they're just taking on human lives. And then you sh they show the cat, and right as it's like showing the cat jumping around, I'm like, oh my god, are you playing as the cat? Do you play as the cat? And then when you know the cat's up there, yawns, and then it says Stray, I'm like, oh my god, you're playing as the cat! I'm so... In. And I'm like trying to message them on social media to confirm that you can knock over robots as the cat. Because if I can't knock robots off shelves, then I don't know why you're making this game. So that was my takeaway. Even without gameplay, I'm just the concept. I'm I'm immediately sold on, and I just I want to see more. Looks like 2021 will also be on PC. I like the uh, kind of cyberpunk esque art style, right? Yeah, can't go wrong with cyberpunk. Oh no, not at all. No, I, that's I, got that's a backpack. What I'm saying. I like that. Yeah. And cats too. I mean. <laughs> and hashtag cats. Uh, my my cat keeps bugging me, so maybe he'll uh, <laughs> want to watch me play it. I, I don't. I don't get like like what type of game. I, I guess you couldn't really tell from the trailer, but did you guys catch what type of game it would be? No idea. I'm hoping it's third person, and my best bet, if I had to guess, would be something along the lines of like. Assassin's Creed, where you're just going to be traversing various aspects, but from the scale of a cat. Assassin cat. It'd be like Untitled Goose Game. You're just a cat pissing people off. That too. That also went through my head. I'm like, is this Untitled Cat Game? Except it has a title. I'm still for it. You said you hope it's third person. Can you imagine playing a first person cat game? I'm pretty have, sure like, that buttons to like lick your paws or something. I'm pretty sure something like that exists on PC, like Cat Simulator or something like that. I think there is something <laughs> much more basic, not not looking like it's going for this level of detail, but 
much more straightforward and just for for giggles so um the idea is worth exploring in in different contexts <laughs> in my opinion yeah well, i want to play as a cat i mean who wouldn't want to play as a cat glad we can agree on this so moving on the next game that was shown was called returnal and this started off with uh, a lot of narrative uh, conceit about dying and respawning an astronaut woman who is crash landing on an alien planet and then fighting for her survival and has to relive that every time and is trying to figure out what to do and, and try to escape. So a pretty standard conceit for a video game at this point. And then they showed a bit of, of what seemed like prototype gameplay. So it seems like it's going to be third person shooting, pretty fast paced. You'll fight a couple different hordes of enemies and things like that. Who knows how, how big the exploration will be or if it'll be much more like corridor focused. But I was intrigued. Uh, not too crazy, but I, I'd be interested in learning more to s see whether or not this is something I'm, I'm totally into. Exactly. Looks yeah, cool. I, thought, I was going to say, I thought that the, the planet constantly changing looked pretty cool, and it gave you like that live, die, repeat vibes. I don't know if yeah. you guys have seen that movie. Tomorrow. Yeah. Whatever you yeah. call that movie. <laughs> but it was originally. And, and it looks like a really uh, interesting concept. Yeah, and it's the developer is Housemark Games. And trying to find what their last one is, because they have a history of making like arcade shooter games. Uh, they did Stardust and Super Stardust. What? Uh, yeah, Super Stardust. They port. They were responsible for the port. Uh, Didn't Super they Stardust make, HD. Um, Outland on the yes. PlayStation. That was cool. That was like a Metroidvania with kind of an Ikaruga type thing going. Yeah, I did. It, I played a bit of that. That was really cool. I did play and beat Outland. That was in in partnership with Ubisoft. They also made Dead Nation, PlayStation. Oh yeah, yeah. That was they, the top down. Yeah. Two twin six shooter, right? Uh, yes, Resogun for PlayStation three and four, and Vita Alienation, Adderfall. So those are the games they've had. So those were. This is like their first big 3D game. Everything else has been kind of smaller, isometric, or over-top view. So this is kind of a departure for them. Uh, it's their, or I guess, their next step up. Um, I don't want to try to, I don't want to make that sound disrespectful or whatnot. But from, I haven't really played too much of those games. Uh, but this is definitely looking like they're trying to bring some of that arcadey aspect to a much bigger scale, which I'm all for. I just want to. The narrative conceit. It seems like there's a mystery there, but how much is that going to translate to what the game is? I don't know, and I, I'm, I'm just, I am interested to see more because once again, love sci-fi aspect, love first-person gameplay. So, um, keep an eye on the radar. As promised. Okay then. The next game was the first, basically. Well, I guess the other ones kind of can qualify, Ratchet and Clank a little bit, and or or Stray, but we didn't really see anything. Is Sackboy's Big Adventure? When I immediately saw this, I was like, wait, are they not doing Little Big Planet? And I'm surprised that they didn't stick with that title there but then when i saw it, it was like a platforming adventure i'm like oh that's pretty cool so instead of doing uh, a creator and who knows if there'll still be like creator elements or whatnot they're basically doing their own platformer they're using Sackboy as their mario stand-in and they're going to have this whole adventure and then they showed off that they were going to have co-op single uh, single screen co-op multiplayer with two players and then mm -hmm. i i thought to myself oh this better be like super mario 3d world if they're really smart and allow for four player co-op and lo and behold, you get a little further in that trailer, and that's exactly what they're doing, showing four players cooperating together on the same screen. So hopefully that will have local and online co-op, and I thought it was a good showing for Sony having a family-friendly offering 
uh, for that system. And uh, we can give a heartfelt RIP to Knack. I'm sure Mark Cerny is a little disappointed, but hopefully Knack will be a playable avatar inside that game because it would make a lot of sense. We'll never lose the memes, though, about Knack. It will live not. forever. That doesn't mean Knack 3 isn't impossible, but it seems far less likely now. Uh, yeah, so I, I thought it, it looks like a phenomenal platformer, uh, like you're saying, and more 3D than the past games. Because, I, I mean, Little Big Planet has always been like platformer, but not 3D like this, I don't think. And the co op play looks really fun. Uh, gave me like some Mario World vibes. So those are my thoughts for Sackboy and Big Adventure. I think I'd, I would like it a lot. I remember fond, I have fond memories of playing Little Big Planet on the PS3. Played that a lot with my uh, sisters. Uh, I think this, this brings it into a different game style. Um, I don't know how good it's going to be, but like both of you, I got those uh, 3D land, 3D world vibes, and uh, those are good games. So it seems like it checks a lot of the right boxes. We will see for how sure. the, uh, the execution is handled. Mark, where's this game falling on your radar? Yeah, good question. A lot of the stuff in the middle, I, I would definitely say in summary with a lot of the presentation from PlayStation was it was front-loaded and back-loaded. A lot of the stuff in the middle, I hate to say not just skippable, but I was speeding through. Um, I wasn't watching as intently. It was, it, it just didn't ignite me. There were a couple other wild cards here and there, but uh, not too much. Um at least for me, for, for Sackboy. Okay, no, that's fair. And uh, I just want to point out, I am a big fan of the, like, constructed aesthetic that Little Big Planet has, where everything's, like, like felt or materials in, in the real world and every kind of jumbled together. I, I love the aesthetic design, so it's super cool. Um, apparently, this isn't being directly made by Media Molecule. It's made by a, a slightly different developer or different studio within. Um, so that's that, there's a little bit of degree of separation there. But they, they also did Tearaway, which had a similar like felt aesthetic, but focused on paper. Oh, and, yeah, I remember oh, that. It's, I, I love seeing this new, fresh aesthetic. And I'm also just a bit surprised that they're not having Little Big Planet in there, in the title somewhere, as like, just a way to do branding. Like, Sackboy's Adventure, or a Little Big Planet game, or, or something like that. I'm really, I was really shocked by that, but... If Sackboy himself is going to become the IP, that's pretty cool. I could I could see this working. I hope it does well. I think Sony's needs something like this. And I thought from the start when Little Big Planet came out, I'm like, they did it. They finally have their like their modern Mario icon that they can use and it stands for all that creativity that has been part of the PlayStation legacy. So uh, I really hope that that stands and Sony pushes harder for that and I hope people are receptive to it as well. Destruction All-Stars. That's right. Our next game is Destruction All-Stars, which my immediate impression was Twisted Metal, but with a much broader art style appeal. I heard other people online comparing it to like the Fortnite level art style, where it's just this much less offensive, like Pixar-esque-ish people. And I'm totally there for it, because I think the aesthetic looks great. And I was really surprised, as I saw, because I, I had no idea if this was like a first party i believe the playstation studio thing was in front of it and i'm just looking at them and when i see it's not only the cars and the demolition derby after all the mario kart we've been playing and we've dabbled in the battle mode a bit but we've mostly been racing i just thought 
this looks like a really cool new type of multiplayer game. I am totally interested in trying this. And then when they were showing that, oh, the, the humans or, or that the drivers can jump out of the cars and they can run around and they can steal cars or they can mess with other drivers. And it seems like you have a, a decent amount of mobility. You're just not nearly as strong as the cars. I was all over it. The character designs look interesting. And then when they revealed the title that it was called Destruction All-Stars, I was honestly really surprised. I thought that was alluding to like PlayStation All-Stars or something. And I thought instead of trying to emulate Smash Brothers, where you're, you're doing this character fighting game with a gimmick to how you get wins, I thought it would be much more interesting. And, I, and I've thought the same thing for Microsoft is they should find a different genre of game that allows them to do the exact same thing where they can just let all their characters kind of get into an even playing field. So the idea of maybe down the line, and maybe this is part of the plan, seeing PlayStation characters jump in with these generic characters and have these car, being able to use the cars as their thing and have their own little unique properties, I thought that'd be a, a great base and I would think that's a great opportunity. Um, so yeah, overall, super interested. We didn't really see too clear gameplay, like nothing specific in terms of HUD or, or whatnot. A lot of it was just very... Uh, carefully choreographed and orchestrated camera angles. But there was enough there to tell what the feel of that game is supposed to be, and I'm definitely interested. I'm hoping that there's like a demo or a beta or something that allows people to try it out. Yeah, at you first think that's I going thought... to be free to play? Or is it, it, it seems like the kind of thing that could be, especially if you think they're going to offer other characters for download. But I don't really know. I mean, some games like that, you know, Overwatch isn't free to play, but uh, Fortnite is. So it's hard to tell what kind of business model they might go for with it. Right. That's that's one of those questions. Uh, I All I could say is speculation. What I'd hope for is I, I'd like just a demo or maybe there is like a, a very limited free to play version where you can go in. You get like one racer. Uh, who knows how much customization or how much it relies on you picking pre pre-made characters versus creating your own avatar. It wasn't really shown accurately in there. So yeah, there, there's some questions to answer there, but I definitely, I just want to try it. And I think if, if I can't, there'll hopefully be a beta or something like that. But yeah, I think they should definitely put a demo out there to let people try and, and match make and let people buy in at, at different levels, but we'll see. Uh, Mike, what did you want to say? Oh yeah. At first I thought it would be a new like PS all-stars like, and then it wasn't, but um, it looks like multiplayer chaos, a lot of customization and overall it looks pretty fun. Cool. Cool. Mark. Yeah. Almost like a metal gear meets rocket league meets. There's a new Ubisoft title. I cannot remember the name. It's that roller derby one. Um, that kind of art <laughs> style I feel like is also being used here. So it, I don't believe it is a Ubisoft title. No, it's a PlayStation um, Studios title. Uh, I can look okay. up who it is. The other thing that I was going to mention was this is one of the nine exclusive titles. Um, so you were mentioning earlier, there's 26 total games that were shown mm -hmm. in the hour 15, and nine of those were exclusives, which we've passed. We've passed a few of them. Gran Turismo, of course. Ratchet and Clank, Sackboy, Returnal, Spider-Man. I think that's it so far. There's a couple more coming up. Okay. It seems that uh, the main developer is Lucid Games, but also Wushu Studios is cited on the Wikipedia. But Lucid Games has been a part of some well-known titles such as Geometry Wars 3 Dimensions, Goat Simulator, oh. Grand Theft Auto, Liberty City Stories, Need for Speed Payback. So that's some of their pedigree. Not the complete, but I was just reading what I think most of us will be able to So maybe you'll recognize. get to play as the goat? <laughs> it is an indie, so I 
it's not unlikely that they could sign a deal. But yeah, uh, like I was saying, I, I hope that they end up embracing that, especially if it is a first-party game, into turning it into a crossover thing. They can have the original characters plus the guest characters uh, and kind of make it like like what Sega does with Sonic and Sega All-Star Racers, although they've kind of backpedaled on that with the most recent one. But I think Sony should pursue a different title, and this car combat, cars in general, are has a much broader appeal than, than fighting. And with this being like a mass multiplayer thing where it looks like it could be like up to maybe eight cars in an arena, that would speak a lot more to a lot more people because of how many people could be jumping in to the multiplayer. Any other thoughts? Seems like a good fit for Sony. They have a good history of uh, car combat games. With Twisted Metal, I think there was the Jack X combat racing. So at least they have more of a history of that than they do with platform fighters. I did say Metal Gear earlier. I did mean to say Twisted Metal. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I, I didn't think <laughs> yeah, there was any point. I, I kind of glossed over that, but yeah. that makes Oops. more sense. I just let you get away with that. I knew what you were trying to say. So. But yeah, <laughs> although who knows? You might be able to stealth in inside there, and may, maybe. maybe there will be boxes you can hide in. So, <laughs> Mike, did you did you have something else? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Okay, no problem. So the next game then uh, was Kana. Ridge of Spirits. And this game looks very DreamWorks slash Pixar-ish. And after seeing a few trailers for some of the animated movies coming out of, like, uh, China on, like, Netflix, I was... I, I f immediately felt like I recognized the, the art style. But then seeing some actual gameplay, it feels like it's going to be kind of Zelda-esque. There are those little black furry creatures that were giving other people Pikmin vibes, and it sort of gave me that. It looks like you can team up, uh, collect them, command them to do things, and they'll help you out in combat. On top of having dynamic, like, bow and staff, there's a parry, there's a dodge. All of that gameplay was speaking to me on top of, like, platforming and puzzle solving. So... I was also super excited about that, so I, I just want to know more as soon as possible, and I hope it's it's coming out closer to launch. I'm wondering yeah. if it's going to be an open-world game, or if it's going to have more, you know, deliberate level design, because I, I think for something like that, I, I might want something a little more constrained, uh, although open-world games really are quite popular. Yeah, when I was looking at it, I, I liked how... Uh... You could uh, use the magical staff to conjure up other weapons, and I also like the cartoony type graphics. It looks like an action adventure game to me. It's very cute. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ed, I'm getting the impression that it's going to be more Zelda-esque, in which it will be like a semi-open world. It'll be much more constructed, and you can go places, and based on when you solve puzzles or get powers, it'll open it up. I guess you could say either Metroidvania. I I'm preferring more like Labyrinth, trying to change over to, I call it like Labyrinth-style gameplay, but I'm getting the more Zelda-esque feel where it's, I don't think it'll be... Traditional Zelda. Yeah, the impression Not I'm Breath getting. Breath of the Wild. Yeah, more, more traditional Zelda, like Twilight Princess level of... It's a big map. There's plenty of puzzles and plenty of different directions you can go in, but ultimately every part of it is really constructed. That's my impression. It could could be completely different, and I welcome the other thing as well. Breath of the Wild, I, I played through twice, so uh, I have my complaints with it, but we'll see. That the impression I was getting was was more towards the constructed. I could be down. Do you like? Do you like the uh, how the magical staff can change into other weapons? I think that was cool. I did. It seems like that could add a lot of variety, and I love any game with magic elements to it, so being able to change 
your staff into different types of weapons. Like I, I at least saw the bow, and I'm not sure if there was another type there. And who knows how that'll interplay with also the little creatures. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested. Super hyped for it, and glad to see a new IP that's hopefully mimicking the Zelda style. Cool. Moving on, we got another new IP that looked very indie that unfortunately we didn't get much gameplay for. Uh, Goodbye Volcano High. I'm assuming it's going to be like a Telltale style choose your own adventure type game about, and it's hard to say exactly, but it looks like they're taking like dinosaurs or fiction, fictional style dinosaurs, making them anthropomorphic. And it's definitely like a high school adventure, gra maybe graduating from high school. It's hard to tell where it'll take place in there. I really wish we could have seen some gameplay, but I bet it's it's just it, that stuff doesn't really trailer well. It's really tough. It was interesting. I'm a fan of Life is Strange. I'm a fan of the Walking Dead Telltale games. So and some of the other work that Telltale's done, Wolf Among Us too. Please, I, I'm interested, but I need to see more and, and understand exactly what's it's bringing to the table before I I commit. Because I don't know if I'm interested in another high school story, but I I could be convinced. Yeah, this looks like my high school i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i've never played any of those kind of adventure games i don't know if i'm interested in this and this probably will not be the first one i play <laughs> or did you have anything to add no um i think this is another one of those that looks cool let's get a date and it's actually not exclusive so that's nice but uh not something that i'd likely be picking up okay goodbye volcano high <laughs> <laughs> moving on the next game was Oddworld Soulstorm I haven't really played any of the Oddworld games and honestly the art style it always kind of turned me off as far as I know they're kind of like weird platformers That's unique yeah but the what they presented there was interesting I'm happy for series fans but ultimately I don't think I'm going to play it myself maybe rent and give it a shot since it's it seems like it's going to kind of be standalone I don't know how much it's going to integrate between the older and new stuff I, there's certain things i was able to pick out because i've heard commentary about the old games from before the gameplay props to them for showing some gameplay and even that looked weird it was definitely a dark humor style game so interesting but maybe maybe not for me definitely would put it on my rental list before anything else yeah i think it is likely going to be a mature rated game or not too far from it um just like the undertones um I was just watching another playthrough of the trailer and, you know, the main character is grabbed by the throat. So there's a little bit of violence there. And I know at the end of the trailer, you also see him kind of pulling off the bandages on his mouth, which looked a little gruesome. Um, but, Train crashes you know, through like a dozen dudes on there as yeah. well. <laughs> right, right, right. A lot of, a lot of explosions. Um, but yeah, let's see. I, I can't remember the last time there was an Odd World game. Mike, Ed, are you guys much of a Odd World series no i've never played a no. game in the odd world series okay uh, same okay so i think general consensus then we're all a little interested there's not too much more with it right now sure yeah i think it's really cool to be there because it is a long-running interesting franchise but yeah it seems like for us it wasn't it didn't move the needle much but that's cool to see at least uh, and apparently it's been in development for a long time as well so once again for odd world fans and and people of fans of video game history i guess for these like niche but surviving series it's it's a cool touchstone the it's good next... for the industry we need that variety i agree i think they should only make one type of game <laughs> <laughs> uh 
3D platformers. Only Mario games. <laughs> 3D choose your own adventure games. <laughs> walking sim walking sims where you just you have to choose in a menu whether you walk forward or backwards. <laughs> walking sim this is why we're not developers. <laughs> the the next game was Ghostwire Tokyo. And I was intrigued about this game back when they first announced it at E3, but it was just a CG trailer, so I was completely underwhelmed. And it was coming from... I should have actually looked at the developers, so poor planning I on my part I think this is a Bethesda title. Bethesda, but that the specific studio is... Tango Gameworks? Tango Gameworks, you're right. I should have just said the same developers who made Evil Within 1 and 2. And I Evil Within 1 was okay evil within 2 was way better very interesting and there the and the director is shinji mikami who was responsible for a lot of the work on the resident evil series you know, up to resident evil 4 before he departed from capcom and so i was interested in that regard was curious what kind of horror game it was going to be and now it seems like it's going to be much more of an action horror game it's in first person so i'm a little disappointed in that but it's not like there isn't a, a plenty of first person games i do like bioshock is an amazing series for example, and yeah. seeing it's all this supernatural ghost stuff and you're doing like this magic with your hands, it looks like there's going to be some really cool set pieces. Though something about the environmental design was kind of throwing me off, like in the cityscapes where things were looking kind of bland and empty, and maybe that's just compared to some of the hyper-detailed games I'd, I've recently played. Uh, but then also there's surreal environments that you're going to seemingly go between and all about like the ghost and the magic and that supernatural stuff. So totally on board, really want to see more. I just want more. I want that I want that real estate. I'm a little with you on the disappointment that it's first person. I'm just a little ashamed to admit I, I I really can't play first person games very well, so I have a hard time enjoying them. But I'm sure it'll be good for some people. It, it does seem like it's promising, but I don't think it's gonna be for me. I think I already know the answer, but are any of you into the Dishonored series? I played a couple hours of Dishonored 1, and it just really didn't grab me, so I didn't really gravitate into Dishonored 2. But on initial uh, previews of it, like it definitely seemed like it was up my alley. It felt kind of Bioshocky, and we're going to talk mm -hmm. about another game from the Dishonored developers later on. And it's just it just didn't click, and I'm really surprised it didn't. I feel, I don't know, maybe I'll have to give it another shot, but it, everything there should have spoken to me, but it just, I don't know, I guess I didn't find like the characters of the world ultimately as appealing on a on uh, actual immersion as I did with initial first blush. Well, let's not also forget that a lot of the trailers that we're looking at are, you know, part of this bigger presentation. So they're likely going to have a little bit more to offer at a future date. So, you know, no need to just write it off right now based on a minute or two worth of limited coverage. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see what comes next. I meant Dishonored. Like Ghostwire, this trailer sold me pretty hard. Okay. Okay. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dishonored, I was like, oh man, this this should be completely yeah. there, but then in practice, for some reason, it just, it didn't click, and I'm not, not really sure why, but because everything else was there that just, it seemed like it. So yeah, I was, I was talking about Dishonored, but Ghostwire, I'm, I'm totally in for, and I really, really want to try, unless, obviously, something crazy happens that, <laughs> that like, tanks it. Like, they right. put in some weird multiplayer mode that's, like, dumb, and <laughs> characters are gonna boxes. come in. Yeah, like, any type of trolling aspect always makes me go, hmm, but you, there's, well, hopefully like an offline mode or something. Well, that's not even part of the conversation. I, I'm really injecting nothing into that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Mike, did you want to say anything about Ghostwire? No, it's not my type of game, but 
it, it looks cool. Okay, then. Next up was Jet the Far Shore. As seeing this was some sort of like emotional tone trailer, I was intrigued. It seems like you are going to be controlling a spaceship of some sort and maybe traveling over environments. It's it's really hard to tell. I wasn't sure if it was actual gameplay or not because that'd be a really strange perspective. But yeah, this is one where I just kind of go like, all right, you didn't really show me enough. But I think the, the pedigree of the developer for that, they made the sword and sorcery game for mobile, which is a really neat game. And this I, I haven't heard from them since in terms. So I, I'm really curious to see what this game actually is. It just felt like a very aimless tone trailer so it's it didn't give me hype but i'll I'll at least give it a a, a second look when there's there's more information the way they they kind of put the music to the trailer and the the camera angles that were taking taking made me think of like interstellar or something that's like yeah long distance grand tra space travel so it, it looks interesting but like you said i i don't know what the gameplay is so it's really hard to judge yeah i don't have anything to add <laughs> yeah i think we can move on to godfall yeah yeah it's uh just, well, there wasn't much to go on with that but then godfall which was technically the first next-gen game announced back at the game awards about the x uh, in cons in concert with the xbox series x reveal coming from gearbox developers of borderlands so i had no idea what kind of game it would be other than it was probably going to be a loot type game Turns out it's going to be like a third-person Diablo-type game. Uh, it looks a little more action-oriented than Diablo, but it's still collecting, I guess, gear pieces to customize your armor. The The knights look pretty neat, but something about the, the trailer just didn't look quite right. Other than the frame rate was, was not consistent. Very rough game plan, and I hope they nail that down. I hope it's aiming for 60 FPS, but... Probably not. In regards to additional information that wasn't in the trailer, it apparently is going to be only three-player co-op. And for me, myself, unless there's actually the, a narrative with like some real effort put into it, I'm probably going to relegate this to a rental if I have any friends that get into it. If, it's, if it comes to PC, then, you know, at the same time, I, if there's anyone who's interested, I might pick it up just because I don't I don't hate beat-em-ups. I think that's kind of neat. And if it's just something where, hey, we'll jump on, let's beat up some dudes, we can casually hang out and, and play this, then yeah, I, I think it'd be okay. But personal investment based on this new information is really pretty low. You asked Agreed. if it came to PC. I'm reading on IGN. It says also come into Epic Game Store. So uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the Epic Game Store, hmm. but that's where you'll be able to get it. Quick aside on that. Uh, I don't have any problem with Steam getting more competition in terms of the Epic Game Store existing. I just wish Epic would have would invest more time into developing a more complete storefront. I know it's gotten a lot better over time, but it's still pretty disgraceful how bare bones it is and them buying exclusivity for games. It's it's dumb. I, I like that they're giving developers a better share, but the way they've been going about other stuff, I'm not ready to support them yet. So I'm refusing to buy games on there until they get their store in shape. But as soon as uh, it does, then yeah, sure, whatever. I'll I'll pick up games there, but currently nah. Just wanted to add a quick side note too. Um, you were saying the Godfall trailer was a little rough around the edges. I think the entire PlayStation presentation, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was 1080 30 frames, right? Yes, they did state that upright uh, out front that up front? the upfront, thank yes. you, was going to stream at 1080p 
30 FPS, which is fine, so I understand that, but even then, the trailers seemed choppy, and they can right. still have done gameplay trailers of that at 60, and then rendered it down to 30 during the broadcast. And I think, because every single game, I know for a fact, every single game put out an independent trailer, which was either the version you saw in there, or a slightly extended version, for each individual game, and I believe the independent trailer for Godfall was at 60 FPS, which still had stutter there either, yeah. either way if it's not a locked 30 like that's even more disgraceful right considering what kind of tech next gen supposed to be peddling yeah i uh i'm just setting you up though um do you know the other the other game console it was xbox series x right what uh how many frames what was the resolution 120 <laughs> no uh 60 frames 4k so things were looking a little snappier but correct it's just you know, chef's choice as far as how, how all the trailers look, but just had to get that little jab in there, Birch. Oh yeah, that's fine. And we'll definitely talk about the messaging that Xbox Series X has there because there are some positive points in that regard. Uh, but once again, even for both of them, we, we don't know what we can trust because unfortunately the platform holders don't really have a history of enforcing certain quality standards in terms of performance. Sadly, right. but we'll we'll discuss that after the presentation uh, discussion here. Yeah, any other thoughts about Godfall here? The weapons look almost comically big. I'm not sure I like the aesthetic. It seems a little it's like the graphics kind of seem like they're going for something realistic, but then just the design of it seems cartoony. It's a little weird, but it could be fun um, if you have some friends who got into it. I could see how you could enjoy it. Yeah, I'd say it's it's a high detail animated art style. They're going for realism, but definitely everything's um, abstracted in, in very deliberate ways while having realistic levels of, of detail on them. And the comically large weapons, of course, is something you see in a lot of game designs for either visibility or for giving that impression of power. So that, that you know, take it or leave it. I'm not really criticizing your taste in that, but that is, it's, they just kind of do that for a reason. Makes me think a little bit of like the Darksiders games. Yes, definitely. Mike, anything else? I just the sword play looks cool. Uh, or the different weapons that they're using, I I think it looks cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I like beat 'em ups, so I I was I'm inclined to like this game, but it's just right now it's not giving me any hype impressions. So I'll give it some more information, but currently lukewarm on it. Moving on, you know, I just want to point out also we're all, we're just a little over halfway done. This is such a huge presentation, and just goes to show like Sony really nailed this. So, bravo on them again. The next game is Solar Ash. We didn't see too much here, but it was definitely uh, a tone trailer with what looks like very accurately represented in-game graphic engines. I've seen this kind of animated art style in, in plenty of other places. Uh, it is made by the people who made Hyper Light Drifter, and from what I'm hearing is that this game will be inside that same universe, so it could be connected. There could be other references beside that. Looked really cool. I definitely want to know more. I'm very inclined to to play this game. Yeah, I never, I never played the uh, Hyperlight uh, Drifter game, but I always wanted to try it out. Yeah, I, I, same here. Uh, after hearing some other people talk about the event and, and this game in relation to Hyperlight Drifter, found out it was like a top-down Zelda sprite-esque game which I didn't understand. I, I thought before it was some sort of roguelike, and I'm not a huge fan of, of roguelikes under most circumstances, but after hearing that and, and looking into it some more, I definitely think I want to give Hyperlight Drifter a try before this comes out and see if uh, that game is in my alley as well. Cool, cool. Any takeaways from Mark or Ed on this? 
I I don't know any uh, what you told me about hyperlight drifter is the first thing I'm I'm learning about it, but it's it's probably not something I will end up playing. Yeah, this looks, looks really nice though. I like that kind of animated art style. Yeah, and this one looks like it's going to be a 3D a full like th third person 3D adventure, so uh, a departure from what Hyperlight Drifter was, but in the same universe thematically. Is what I'm hearing. Mark got a hot take on Solar Ash. No, sir, but I am excited to talk about the next game. Okay, then we'll we'll have you lead that off because I don't have much to say with Hitman 3. That they they spent a lot of time on what I, on a seemingly setting up a narrative that I don't think really exists. <laughs> but I know a lot of people like the new rebooted Hitman 1 and 2, and this looks like it's going to be way more freeform assassination with advanced next gen tech helping expand the scope of the settings. So. Yeah, Mark, what are your expectations? Love, love, love stealth games. Splinter Cell is probably one of my top three of all time. So Hitman is not necessarily my top ten, but I am very much a fan of sort of this, you know, stalking your 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 prey, um, throwing on disguises <laughs> after you take somebody down. I did not get into the last Hitman, Hitman 2 on PC. That was kind of like that chapter-based series, but they were doing time-sensitive missions where you were taking down VIPs, which always was intriguing. I think there were a couple celebrities too that were getting involved where it's like, you know, you have to find them in this world. And like everything about that I loved, I just, something held me back from buying it. I think there was even a free demo recently. Uh, in, in 2020 but yeah i'm excited it's definitely not a pre-order of mine but it's something that i will absolutely have my eye on it looks super cool i i love kind of just the the hitman-esque stealth takedown type of type of games and if they throw co-op in it'll pretty much be a pre-order guarantee and i can say that the one thing hitman does get right is uh speaking as a bald man is that definitely if you put on other people's <laughs> clothes they cannot tell that you are not that person but i have a beard so that way i, I consistently look at but if i shaved it I, that it's totally what happens people just do not understand that bald people don't just look like every other person in the room so i really <laughs> applaud them for capturing that experience in this game and uh one other funny side thing is when their logo was showing the hitman the three as roman numerals and i know that there's like the barcode tattoo on the back of agent 47's neck and I think I, I think the developer, I guess, is IOI Studios. I, th I was like, oh, my God, I hope they call this Hitman 111 instead of three is like the official title, because I, <laughs> I, I just thought it, that would be really funny to like because he's also supposed to be like a clone as far as I know. So that's like that could be a really cool thing, especially if they're trying to go towards some sort of narrative in that. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's me being silly. So, uh, Ed, Mike, you got any takeaways on Hitman three? I I don't, I don't want to say I don't like stealth games because I haven't played a whole lot of them, but I'm not sure this will be the first one I play. Yeah, I don't have anything to add for this one. Alrighty then. But I think you're going to have something to add here. I expect uh, big things from Mike on Astro's Playroom, which looked insanely cute and up the Mario vibes when it had coins on there, which, uh, funny, when I was looking over the trailer again and, and I paused it, I saw the icons for the place, uh, the PlayStation, the sacred symbols on the coins, and I was like, oh my god, that looks so cool. And I'm like, what is going on? And they already showed Sackboy. Why are we doing both of these? Astro's also super cute. And as we come to find later, the, the black and white aesthetic is in perfect matching with the PlayStation 5's design. We've already seen the controller, so that was at least known. Uh, and apparently Astro's... 
forget what the VR game was called, because that's where Astro was introduced. It was actually a, a highly acclaimed PlayStation VR game on PS4, and now they seem to be making just this third-person platformer for using this character, which I think is a very smart move. It's another good family-friendly platformer. And from what I saw, because I went... I was actually really impressed with the music I was hearing in the background. Whatever that, that theme song was, I was just jamming to. It got really catchy. It just started sticking in my brain. I went back. I looked at the trailer. Uh, the extent It was an extended trailer, and they showed that it's going to be like almost like a gimmick game. They're really going to try and highlight a lot of the features of the PlayStation 5 DualSense controller. And it also said in the messaging, it's going to be preloaded on PlayStation 5. I've heard online there's some debate on whether or not it's preloaded on every PlayStation 5. I was taking it as it's preloaded on every PlayStation 5. So that's pretty cool that they're going to have like this little mini four-world platformer game included on every PS5 for people to play with. And I think that's a perfect like starting point, at least for family-oriented and people who aren't offended by games looking not gritty and gory <laughs> yeah i thought it looked sweet definitely like that's awesome that it's included like i didn't hear that but that's pretty sweet that they're actually gonna preload it with the ps5 and i like how it takes advantage of the dual sense controller kind of like it took advantage of the vr so that's kind of like the flagship tech uh, demo flagship. franchise yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to but not yeah. to minimize it but no, no. No, I think they should I think more companies should do that. Like obviously Nintendo with Wii Sports really set the bar there and Nintendo's also done that before with with smart pack-ins brought back from even the original Nintendo. So packing games are always a good thing. Hopefully that will go over well and it won't be um underwhelming once it gets there. I know for some people it obviously will, but and and then who knows, hopefully with Sackboy's Adventure or even with Astro Playroom maybe there'll be a special Easter egg with save data where the you can have Sackboy as a second player, or a Sackboy Astro Robot, or, or Astro Boy, uh, not, not Astro Boy, that's a different thing. Astro, a Astro Bot appears in Little Big uh, Sackboy's Big Adventure. So there's a lot of good cross-play here that we could see Sony take advantage of, or cross-branding, however you want to phrase that. Um, so, yeah, I, I have high hopes for some of this stuff, and it's really neat that it's a pack-in. He's just, like, skating on the ice and, like, spinning around. Looks awesome. The gameplay variety looks good for a third-person platformer. Mark, did you want to chime in on how cute Astrobot looks? Yeah, I would love to just elaborate on how <laughs> how cute the character models are. Doesn't, doesn't um, he remind you of a Windows machine? A Surface laptop? Right. I think this was one of the last few exclusives, so not something that's going to be coming on the Xbox platform. Not that I've made up my mind yet. Right. You know, or not well, that I'm hinting into stray right oh my god maybe maybe um, <laughs> i think astro is uh, going to be like cortana or siri it's going to be like hey astro load up astro <laughs> that'd be great but the controller the dual sense does have a microphone on it so that's totally possible and back in the the astrobot vr game like you could move the controller around and it would make noises and it would make it sound like there was a bunch of robots in there so that's totally not out of the question <laughs> Okay, then. So we'll move on to the next one, which is definitely something I'm way more intrigued in. And it was such a crazy showing is Little Devil Inside. Yeah, gimme. Uh, gimme all of that. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the relationship between the old man and the and the young dude adventurer is. That art style looks really unique and fresh. Uh, whatever that duality is, I'm I'm compelled to play. I'm not sure if that's 
what they showed was gameplay. I'm hoping it's really representative, like, of a mix of, like, Zelda-esque or adventure gameplay, even if it's, like, small instances, even, like, you know, Ratchet and Clank-themed where it's, like, stages and whatnot. But it looks like a variety of gameplay. You, you saw the guy using a gun, a sword, a shield, running, riding, uh, dropping bombs, tr doing some stealth, hiding from that weird cat monster, and then I, I just... I, I want to know more. I, from what I found out, it is apparently a long-in-development Kickstarter project, so it seems like it's coming to fruition on this next generation of consoles and hopefully PC as well. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, the art style was super cool. I'm excited. It's on, I think, all major platforms, Windows, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. So, yeah, curious to kind of see. You're right, I, it was funded on Kickstarter. It was it was different. It had it didn't necessarily match anything that I've played before. But yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Looks like you get to relieve yourself in the bathroom in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, press F to leave yourself. No, you I, I uh, it, it, the art style kind of reminded me of like uh, some of the Double Fine games. It's kind of oh yeah cute, okay, but it got a little bit of an edge to it. I, I don't I don't think it's going to be too saccharine. But, like literal uh, literal edges yeah, that that too yeah yeah like lightly blocky but still like soft it's, yeah yeah i, I see a little what you're bit saying there. like tear away sort of it looks like paper but not really so I, it, it's really hard to pin down it's very flatly shaded it seems like there's yeah not a lot of detail to the texture work which is fine it's creating a very thing uh, so i didn't see the paper aspect but i see what you're saying there almost maybe clay like that too i would lean more towards clay with that but i I didn't see anything as like a def I wouldn't say there's any definitive texture from my impression, but yeah, I get what you're saying. I would I would lean very, that way. Very unique art style. Yeah, almost like stop motion. I, I just was thinking of um, Isle of Dogs. I don't know if you saw that movie. I Same did. Person. Yes. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a great comparison as well, and it's it's going to be interesting. It's great to see how many new IPs were being shown here and how interesting they were. Uh, but we're not talking about a new IP next. Instead, we're talking about a long-running series that didn't even have any gameplay. I'm not even sure why it was shown, other than just to kind of check a box. NBA 2K21. So we got to see what I, I guess is probably a current prominent player that was scanned in and did a quick tech demo for the game, and they showed that off and just trying to show that. And I just have to say, this is it's so weird. Like, the... The audience that's into sports games and even, like, Gran Turismo had lumped them kind of together. Like, the Venn diagram between people who care about things like Little Devil Inside and sports and simulator games is probably not very small overlap there. So, I don't know why they still put these things in there. Just do a separate presentation so we're not wasting either group's time. But, well, I think they're yeah. trying to keep everybody engaged, you know. They had the, the uh, Gran Turismo trailer was at the very beginning throw an NBA a little bit deeper in, you know, there's, they're mixing it up. So it's not like, Hey, this five minute block of these three games is all for this type of genre. But yeah, it was pre-alpha footage. If even you could call it that it was really just a cinematic. It, it, it's a sports game that comes out every year. Um, whoop de doo is, is sort of my reaction there. A absolutely. And uh, I'm being, a, Which, I'm being a bit overly facetious when I talk about this. Cause I would also say like, like Gran Turismo seven and the NBA like that genre of fans for video games, like they would also care about GTA. So I'm like, here, like, let's take these three and just put this trailer over here. And then everything else was for the other side of the video game audience. And, uh, you know, 
that that that's just kind of my takeaway. They didn't even like it. Almost seems like a disservice as well because they didn't have any actual gameplay ready. It was barely even worth the time for actual fans of that because they don't even get to see a bunch of other players. They don't get to see what it's like on court. You know, in that way too. Because I'm just not a big fan of gameplay trailers that or sorry, I'm not a big fan of purely CG trailers or purely in-engine trailers. I like to at least see some real-world yeah. example of gameplay. So even in that regard, uh, with respect to those fans, I think they were not served properly with this little tease. Right. This is just, yeah, exactly that. A teaser. But, I mean, the conference is also for investors as well. It's not just... I mean, ah, I... Investors make enough money, we don't have to care about their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder, um, I wonder if they were responding to the fact that uh, Microsoft in their presentation, that whole big thing about Madden and the history of Madden, maybe they felt they just needed their you know, yearly sports game to, uh, to compete. Yeah, they know what they're doing, though. You know, each, or they know what each other, I think, are doing more often than not. Um, for them to whip this up in what was this two weeks after the Series X, I think that would have been a little bit tight on timing. But for all we know, that oh, was you know, a month, wasn't it? Oh, was it a month? Yeah, they were the Series X was like beginning of May. Okay. And these presentations are planned well in advance and and stitched together. I'm sure towards the end because it was just a video, uh, and it was most likely going to be most of this was probably going to be an E3 trailer that was going to just be shown on stage. So at at most, I imagine the la- the latest stuff that was stitched in was some of the people and presenters from Sony, I'd imagine. It was only a minute long. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> I, like, I like too much. For, like what the, they, for what they even showed, yeah. And like I said, I'm being a little overly facetious because I'm not a big sports fan. And just even even still trying to be respectful, I'm like, they didn't even get enough. Like, if I was a sports fan, I would have been Yeah, but I, I agree being a sports fan. I buy FIFA almost every year. And Skip you don't even need to for... see a trailer. Right, exactly. It's just you know, is it going to progress and and be better than last year's title? Like, I get it. Like, it's it's a sixty dollar roster update is so much of of yeah. the show NBA, Madden, FIFA, NHL, etc. And from the podcasts that I listen to that do talk a little bit more about sports games, the trend is no, it w- it won't be because this is a generation shift. So that's their excuse to reboot and cut out features and number of players and stuff like that so they can build back up again and just let everyone keep sinking their $60 in for an even cheaper product. So that's that's another issue with, with those type of games. But I hope those fans get what they want. Uh, I think they deserved better in terms of that trailer. But what we all deserve is bug snacks. <laughs> this was... Yeah, right? It's going to be. It totally is because everyone's talking about bug snacks. And while... <laughs> The theme song didn't get stuck in my head like apparently it got stuck in everyone else's. I was certainly surprised, and I got major Viva Pinata vibes. I've not played Viva Pinata, but I'm well aware of it, and I thought the Viva Pinata aesthetic is definitely unique. So this happening with creatures, and the, it's from the de- the developers of Octodad, which is also a very comedic game. So this bug that looks like a strawberry and presumably tastes like a strawberry gets eaten immediately, and then you. Parts of your body turn into animals or stuff. Oh man! I think it's, it's just so another meme- memeable game, like um, Untitled Goose Game. We're gonna be so many, so many people are gonna be excited about it on the internet for about a month, and it'll sell a lot of copies. But I don't know if it's gonna have staying power. Yeah, it definitely seemed like another general audience game 
which I was happy to see. Once again, it definitely still looks very previous gen. The graphics weren't super high fidelity, but I think it's focusing more on interesting gameplay, which is always good. And it's still diversity. So Mark, Mike, what about you guys? Yeah, I was going to ask what studio put this together because it reminded me very much of whether it be Banjo-Kazooie or Viva, Viva Pinata. Um, that kind of art style looks cool, cute. Yeah, there is a little bit of like rareware, but uh, the developer yeah, is called Young Horses, and the the game they they made previously that was their big uh, hitter was Octodad. Okay. Yeah, you play as an uh, for anyone who doesn't know what Octodad is, the conceit is you're playing as this cartoony octopus who's just trying to pose as a normal human, and he just wears a suit and he has to go to work, and you're put in all these mundane scenarios that a normal person would have to go through, but because he's an octopus with just eight tentacles, he's not very coordinated. And that's where the humor comes in, where he gets stuck to things, and you're trying to pull these things off without alerting to everyone that, oh, wait, you're an octopus and not a human, even though nothing else. Like, he's got two little uh, tentacles on his face that look like a mustache, but he's just this plain yellow thing, and everything else looks exactly like a, a, a cartoony octopus. So uh, that's the innate humor of that game. So this definitely seems like it's leaning into it, and I, and I love the, the phrase... Uh, weenie hands as the the mayor character runs in and at the end of the trailer there's this little hint that there's going to be like monsters or something or maybe the players become monsters if you eat too much and uh, the developers haven't given out too much information afterwards but a lot of people are talking about bug snacks and uh, yeah I definitely think that's interesting I'd probably rent it or, or try it or pick it up on a sale I, I don't know if I'd actually play it but uh, I will definitely look into it and see what it, it's all about and I, I was happy to see it here even if it isn't a game I, I may sink a lot of time to I like the little uh, eyes, the little eyes on the snacks. Yes. Um, like, <laughs> um, I want the collector's like, edition with all all the real life snacks, the two hundred dollars that comes with a bunch of figures of snacks. Figures oh, of man. snacks or actual snacks? Like it, you get it like a sub and like some fruit and stuff. <laughs> okay. Did okay. anyone? Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> okay if uh no one else has anything else to say about bug snacks uh we we're not finished with the presentation yet surprisingly but we're almost there and then of course we'll get into comparing it to xbox series x information as it stands today and just other thoughts on next gen so how about we take a quick break and then uh we'll come back and do the second half sounds good okay sounds good to me all right, we'll be back in just a sec for all you listeners. Hey, everyone, we are back to pick up on the second half of our PlayStation 5 reveal event and next-gen thoughts conversation. We're in the middle of the PlayStation reveal event. We've got just a couple more games left here, so we're, we're going to get through those. After Bug Snacks was Demon Souls Remake. This was heavily rumored right before the event, along with a Bloodborne remaster and potential PC release that has not been substantiated yet. But the Demon Souls remake is now official. On first glance, I didn't understand whether it was going to be like Skyrim or anything else. And I, I had a feeling, is this Bloodborne? Is this Dark Souls? I don't know. It could even have been a new game. And it turns out that they basically remade the original Demon Souls trailer. And just updated everything with new visuals. How much of it is actually in-game is difficult to say, but it looks really impressive. And I know a lot of people are uh, going to be super happy with that, as this is the, the first game in what would be the Dark Souls saga. And uh, it, it, I guess it's... It, I, I'm not a super big fan. I'm too weak to, to finish those games. <laughs> but I do respect them, and I did give my best shot on, on 
Demon Dark Souls one and two, uh, but fell off. So I'm happy for fans, and this is uh, not Skyrim. So good. Yeah, I'm with you. I I'm not gonna say I couldn't do it. I just don't have the patience to to struggle through it. But I'm really happy for the people who are fans. I I can't imagine how excited you'd be having seen that. Yeah, and and just to be clear, was this a more or less a remake then of of the first one? Yeah, this is a I think that's accurate. Remake. Okay. Yeah, Demon Souls is a game, is a separate game before Dark Souls One. If I think it's pretty rough nowadays. From what I've yeah, read. and it, I, I think it's hard to go back to if you've played Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Yeah, and I think Demon Souls also is like had a had a very strong multiplayer element to it that kind of makes it unplayable at this point, and it's been locked to PS3, so it's it's definitely like a full generation removed. Yeah, I don't have much to say. I'm just happy for the fans. Okay, that's great. Then. Next up is Deathloop, and we brought this up a little bit before. This is from the developers of Dishonored, and with that blink ability that was available in there, it definitely gave me vibes immediately that this was from those those guys. And it seems the conceit is that, once again, you're in sort of a time loop, or death loop as it is, so when you die, this guy respawns on this island, and he keeps his memories from previous before, and this whole island hates him and just wants to keep killing him. There seems to be some sort of mechanic they didn't really get into that perhaps there's going to be other assassins that are going to be actual players that will contribute to either making your life a pain or you making their life a pain. Not exactly sure. It wasn't quite explained, but it seemed like there's a heavy narrative tie in there. Uh, kind of interesting. The superpowers look cool. So uh, I, I'd definitely be interested in hearing more, uh, but I'm not super hyped. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. And this one was the one that I was thinking. I did say Bioshock and Dishonored earlier. I think we were looking at Goodbye Volcano, was it? Or was it Ghostwire? One of Ghostwire, those... Tokyo. Ghostwire. Um, yeah, this very, very much Dishonored kind of vibe to it, but looks cool. Like, it's definitely something I could see myself getting, depending on how it all sort of pans out. So, do we have a date yet? I, I don't recall if we had a uh, twenty. I thought I or... saw an article online that said 2022. Okay. Um, oh, jeez. So I think far. it's I think Whoa. it's a ways out there. Yeah, I'm remembering. Yeah, we're still in 2020 now. <laughs> yeah, and considering yeah, the amount of... still. Yes. It's always <laughs> so weird when they show so much gameplay and yet it's still so far out. It just. But then again, maybe the, the multiplayer is like a huge deal, and so they're they're working on that stuff. And of course, obviously with the quarantining, that's pushed back a lot of development for some places because they have to transition to work from home, and that introduces its own challenge for communication. So. Uh, also, this was also the not only a second Bethesda game, but this or Bethesda Studios game, but it was also the second game with a recurring theme. We saw like Sackboy's Big Adventure and Astro Astro's Playroom kind of being in the same genre, and then Deathloop and Returnal having that similar conceit of dying and resurrecting in the same situation and having to relive that, trying to figure out a way out of it. So that was just a, a funny little comparison there, but. Yeah, sounds like uh, Deathloop has some potential there. One other notable thing about that and Ghostwire is they, they're both timed exclusives, so Good I think point. we'll eventually be able to play them on Xbox, just not at first. Xbox and PC, that'd be great. Yeah, PC, that's true. Yeah, PC would be choice for me, um, just being first person. Although some stuff can come to Windows Store through Game Pass, so that is an option there, and I give props to Game Pass. Absolutely. Moving forward, this is another super big game for me personally, is Resident Evil Village. Also, you can be referred to as Resident Evil 8 Village. This was also heavily rumored beforehand. 
And just a little bit of backstory, because I'm gonna I'm gonna gush here with this one is it was supposedly going to be Resident Evil Revelations 3. Then it was like alpha tested or, or, or uh, focus group tested, and it did really well. And they decided to up the ante on it and really give it much more budget and turn it into Resident Evil 8. The Resident Evil Revelations series is kind of a sub series that uses characters from the main series but has these like side plots to the the main arc even though the story is just b movie level horror and i say that with absolute love for the resident evil series but that is what it is they only showed little bits of gameplay but it was it was just enough to be like yeah that's probably what it's going to look like super different and there's like werewolf style enemies there's all sorts of new types of of characters it's not looking like it's going to be traditional zombies uh, of any sort, and the Resident Evil series has been kind of trying to do that, but it still has this weird feeling. It's like this wintry village, there's a castle, and at the same time, there's also been a recent leak that Capcom has begun early production of a full Resident Evil 4 remake, and I couldn't help but feeling with now all this information, confirmation out there, uh, because the, the RE engine, which Resident Evil 7, Resident Evil 2 remake, and Resident Evil 3 remake are currently on, that with the photogrammetry technology they use for scanning in real-world objects for high-quality assets in-game. I can't help but feeling that Resident Evil 8 using a village and castle theming is kind of like Capcom smartly doubling up on asset creation for that future project as well, because they can reuse a lot of that stuff, which is just cost-saving. So it's all funny coincidence stuff for me, but game looks great. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to actually play it. Hopefully it'll be out soon. Really uh, loved Resident Evil 2 Remake and Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 3, I'm a little disappointed, but it was still pretty decent. Uh, yeah, do you guys have any thoughts about Resident Evil? I played a little bit of Resident Evil over the years, but not not a main title that uh, intrigues me. So, you know, again, cool for everybody that's into this title, but not necessarily something that I'll be picking up. I'm yeah, the same. Looks... I've played a few of them. This one does look appealing, though. I can see myself giving it a shot. I really like the aesthetic, and I like the themes, and it, it looks great. So it's it's one that's on my radar. Yeah, it looks very creepy. And uh, I'll gush just one last thing, because there was a separate uh, developer interview that was done outside of the the presentation, and they showed a little bit more actual like in-game gameplay, and they also showed a preview of the inventory screen, and once again going to the whole, this is kind of testing for the actual Resident Evil 4 remake is that the inventory is going to have these blocks and spaces and different items and stuff will take up room and you can rearrange it freely. So once again, a lot of overlap in that turn and that's fine. They're just, if they're testing stuff out, this is the way to do it. It makes for AAA development that's expensive, then fine, whatever. So the, Resi the quality of Resident Evil games as a fan has been on a huge upswing for me. So I'm they, all about they, it. They make movies as well, right? For Resident Evil. Yeah, so they, they make live action movies that the series of that recently ended, but apparently they're gonna there's plans to reboot it and do another series of movies, as well as a Netflix live action series in the making. And the first Resident Evil live action movie, speaking for myself, was really good. Second movie tried to be a lot more faithful with a lot more direct references, but really kind of went off the rails and in my opinion just kind of devolved into this generic horror action series that was it ended up being super dumb, but they did well enough to do like seven movies, so I guess it worked for some people. I'll, I'll check out the Netflix series. What I'm more interested in is the fact that Capcom also did a series of CG movies that are actually using the characters from the games and are like side stories also inside 
of the game world and, and narrative arcs. And those, while also cheesy popcorn fun, are much closer to the actual source material and are, in my opinion, much more enjoyable because of that. And I like the CG aspect, them being fully CG as well, uh, letting them better represent characters and enemies from the games. Yeah, it's just from the trailer, it looks like they could really like pull some of this stuff into like a movie, whether it's like animated or something more realistic. Yep, it's uh, could be a thing. Whether it's done well or not is a coin toss at this point. <laughs> so then, next up, another Capcom game, although it was shown in just a little tagline, is Pragmata. And while this looks completely an engine, it turns out this game is not coming out till 2022. It was the only one in the in the show that was shown to be 2022, although it seems like some of the other ones might have been dated differently outside of out of the show. Uh, we see an astronaut helping out this little girl who I'm pretty sure is some sort of android and this weird like cat who has a hologram skin under the with a exoskeleton thing. It looks really weird. I'm totally into it. I am really cool, uh, really cool about it. But when it said it was 2022, I just couldn't help but go like, "Why the heck are you even showing this now? Like, it's too early." I hate when they when developers do this because there's such a there's a history of games being shown too soon and then being canceled or significantly changed, and it just right. it leads for be- poor expectation management. And I also have to chide Capcom a little bit because I do like a lot of their games, but when it was shown like this is the first new Capcom IP in four years, that's a that's just awful. Like, that's but it'll be thing. six years before it releases. <laughs> exactly. So so there's that. So like plus and minuses, I feel like this shouldn't really have been shown here. It should have been held off, but the premise at least that I've shown looks interesting and it, it looks crazy. It looks like my kind of crazy. Yeah, it, it caught my eye. Um, you're right. There, there's something up with that girl in the trailer because that was the one thing that the first time I watched it, I was like, well, wait, how come this girl is still alive when they, you know, shot up into space? Like some of the physics and like some of the things, how it was working was a little wonky, you know, maybe not as like realistic, I guess, as as maybe what I envisioned this turning out to be. But what was it, a, a one minute or even less trailer um, or, or I guess teaser for it being in 2022. But it was cool. It's really just a wait and see. And and you're right, it's, it's a hype train too early. And I agree. I I'm cautious, uh, especially right now in the market with, you know, COVID-19, quarantine, et cetera, et cetera. Is that going to impact it that they weren't forecasting into 2023, 2024? I mean, it could. I mean, Nintendo showed Metroid Prime 4 with a logo and people are still hiding. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a little better than that. But that, that aside, this one I think sparked my imagination more than any other trailer in the showing. So um, I don't want to say I'm on the hype train, but... I've bought a ticket. <laughs> Are you into kind of like the space, like alternate Anything reality? just like unique sci-fi and just yeah. really strange technology aesthetic. Like, like none of the things they did in the, in the, the trailer really made any sense from a physical standpoint, which um, right. I like that. So I'm, I'm on the lookout for this one. Yeah. How is that girl like breathing in outer space without a helmet? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I just couldn't get by that. Yeah, she's totally a robot. She she didn't talk using her mouth. The one line she had at the very end of the trailer when she says, "What is what is that?" And also, you see a little glimpse of when they're trying to escape from whatever that. I assume it's some sort of like dome or something. A satellite's crashing through it, and they're trying to escape. She her, her it zooms in on her eyes, and some like digital effects are inside her irises. So she's she's totally some sort of weird android thing. 
Interesting. I'm down for that. There's weird anime games like that, so I'm totally in for it. I just want it to be real rather than potentially real. <laughs> kind of like Project Athia. It's like, oh man, come on. Like, you know, like, please just confirm the game's real. Just actually have something before you show it instead of, you know, announcing it and then canceling it later. Never, scale bound hashtag never forget. Is that the right. last one that was like that? I can't think of that many games recently that just were vaporware. They get better at it, but if you go back and look, it's it's usually a lot of like smaller new IPs. You you rarely ever mm -hmm. see like, a big splashes, but there's but yeah, Scalebound's like the last high profile one. But if you dig for them, you'll you'll start going down a rabbit hole or sinkhole, I should say. Well, I will remain optimistic. Say what? I will oh, remain optimistic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> one at a time, boys. One at a time. Mike, go first. Project Bugs next. Ed, <laughs> your turn. I would just say I want to remain optimistic. I choose to believe. I, I'm with you on that. So, all right, and then we get to well, the near finale. At least when it comes to software, they revealed Horizon Forbidden West. And while there is like a little two in the logo, apparently the two is not a official part of the title. This I was really, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't have a real gameplay trailer. Although there seems to be some people going around online thinking that what was shown was actually an engine. I'm very skeptical on that because it looked. One of those things that's way too pretty. But hey, graphics and games can be amazing. But I need to see like actual gameplay thing. And it's really surprising considering that when they first showed off Horizon way back when, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, they, they started off with like an alpha demo where it was like a vertical slice and Aloy was going through the grass and fought the big Tyrannosaurus Rex-style robot. And I was immediately engaged with that and, and, and interested. And I wanted to, to play that where you could take off all the different armor and take on this giant sci-fi dinosaur robot thing with a rocket launcher on its back. I'm like, yep, give me all of this. So I'm totally into it. I beat the first game. Love it. I'm going to replay it when it comes out on PC. Looking forward to for that release date. So super excited that they just confirmed it's coming, and I hope it's within the first year of PlayStation 5. I think it's supposed to be 2021. Which would be within the first year from speculating from possibly November to 2020 to November 2021. Yeah, we don't know with, with COVID and it isn't convincing the, the the footage they've shown. Yeah. The one, so, go ahead. I was gonna say the one scene uh, with the uh, dinosaur like arising as like part of the land. It just reminded me of uh, Detective Pikachu, where I thought the uh, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> where uh, Venusaur, or I, I don't remember the exact Pokemon, but <laughs> it was coming out of the land. Torterra. Torterra. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Giant Portera. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it looks, we want to try the first one. Yeah, I, I have played the first it. as well. So I want, I want to try the first one before I play this one. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Haven't played the first. First looks great. I know, Birch, you've highly recommended it numerous times. It's just without the platform, can't play the game. Well, actually, no. It is coming to PC, or is it already yeah, there? It's coming to PC. They originally said first summer, one. so technically we're not out of summer yet. We've just really kind of well, started so we'll see a week ago. yeah yeah <laughs> quick clarification too i believe at the very beginning they did say outside of the gta trailer that everything after that was playstation 5 engine uh so back to what you were kind of mentioning about that cinematic with horizon i believe that is you know all rendered via playstation 5 oh i thought the phrasing was everything was made intended for the playstation 5 uh, i think it sounded more vague of what the statement is. Right. I don't have the exact statement in front of me, so we can, we can figure that out later. 
Uh, but I interpreted whatever they showed in the trailer as not anything representative of actual gameplay. But it is a sequel, so I, I already kind of know what I'm expecting, an open-world action-adventure. So in that regard, I don't really need to see too much, but it, it, it would have been appreciated. I was hoping it was further along for there to be something shown. Here I have the quote. All game footage you are about to see from this point forward in the show has been captured from the PlayStation 5 systems. <laughs> Or from PlayStation Five systems. Yeah, but that that verbiage also, and I'm yeah. being I'm being deliberately cynical here, could right. mean that they played the trailer on the PlayStation Five and captured it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I'm hopeful. That'd be amazing. Just yeah. I, I have to be skeptical. That's awesome. So next week of Crash Bandicoot Four. That's that is, and that's that's a multi-platform title that was really cool. Uh, really surprised they actually weren't ready to show that. For this, I could, I would definitely say that should have, yeah. I would, I would have put that over NBA 2K21 or, well, they like or even Pragmata. Their own teases. So that is the kind of game that could get lost among the others. Um, I think Crash Bandicoot's a little more niche, but I think well, play, Crash Bandicoot still has that strong PlayStation branding uh, or PlayStation history, so it would make sense for them to partner for it. But maybe something wasn't ready, or Activision's just. More comfortable, doesn't want Crash to seem like it's going to be a console exclusive. Maybe they are trying to make it very broad now. Or who knows, maybe Crash is in the next Smash DLC. You never, you never know. <laughs> so that might be a reason why they have to distance themselves from PlayStation to make that all work. But let's get to the real reveal here. The whole reason this event happened. All those games were neat, but who cares when we're going to be staring at that box underneath our TV most of the time. That wingtip, <laughs> that wingtipped, popped collar looking strange box. You finally saw that a gear router. That gear router, uh, modern and whatever you want to call it. It's so many comparisons to be made. It's such a weird, strange, unorthodox design for video game hardware. Although Sony has been kind of strange the ps3 was was definitely an, an, an oddball by comparison so guys when you saw the box what were your initial feelings of it uh, it, it didn't really bother me as much as it seemed to bother everyone else i mean i don't know if i've ever really felt that strongly about a console's appearance the only thing i remember kind of agreeing with the uh you know the the majority opinion on was that uh that ps3 concept tr controller the boomerang yeah i, I that was bad. But this one, it seems okay. Mike? Oh, to me, it just, it looks bulky. I, I thought the digital version looks cooler with, although I'd probably rather get the disc one because I have PS4 games that I would like to play on it. Yeah, overall, like, I think it's too big, but I, the reason for that is obviously probably cooling, and that's probably the reason behind that, but I just think it's going to be too big. Like, I don't know where I'm going to put this. Where is it going to fit in my entertainment system? Do I need a whole new entertainment system just because of the PlayStation 5? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you should, but Mark, as the resident Xbox <laughs> fan here, here we are. this is a perfect time to talk about PlayStation 5 versus yep. Xbox Series X. So let's start by just talking about your feelings on the actual physical boxes as they they are, and then we'll get into the details. I won't bash it. It looks a little funky, but I will definitely say I would rather a fridge than a 
college frat boys pop collar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I kid. Um, It's actually a little bit larger than the Xbox One, or sorry, the Series X, except for the width. Uh, So it's taller and it's also, I guess, longer. But in terms of width, it's it's going to be a little bit smaller. Um, So as far as like the, the cosmetics of it all, did they say whether or not it can be put on its side or it has to be vertical because of the way the fans are oriented? It can definitely be put on its side. They released okay. promotional shots and during the trailer for like two frames they showed it on its on its side. And okay. from what it looks like and they've they've done better they're circulating more of the images cuz that was a main question a lot of people had right. because most people prefer or there's a there's a good segment of the audience a good size segment of the audience that prefers to place their consoles horizontal for stability reasons. And it looks like that stand, whether it's they're a separate stand or it's like moving pieces or whatnot, it goes underneath it and you can turn it in order to fit the curvature of the system and lay it horizontal. And not only that though, but you know, having a device that's longer sitting down having more ventilation, having that heat just dissipate right off the top, opposed to in a vertical position where you only have a slim amount. Uh, I think from like an engineering perspective, you know, I'm no engineer, but I feel like that would kind of, you know, boost the, in terms of cooling. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a horizontal gang as well. But yeah, I think a lot of people are going to need to get new entertainment systems with just the Series X and the PlayStation 5. Uh, they're, they're definitely larger. So that's, yeah, that's definitely... I'm going to need a new uh, Sony TV, too, so that matches the design of the uh, PlayStation 5. So just to recap, we need a new PlayStation. We're hoping to get a, a car from Gran Turismo and also a million bucks from GTA. And a new entertainment center with it. And a new house, and a new house to fit it all. From <laughs> yes. Personally, my aesthetics, I do prefer the Xbox Series X's design. I like that clean rectangular design it's still i'm still surprised how big it is and i I feel like what why are you guys designing it with this primary vertical orientation once again not an engineer and i do understand that heat dissipation going heat goes up so that all makes sense to me but at the same time why not design for the horizontal because that seems to be the most and have like more grates on top and just have a wider area of heat distribution but once again there's probably other engineering things I'm just completely not aware of that allows them to ventilate it in a specific way and, and control that better. So and that those are all unknowns, but it just questions I have. And to focus on the Xbox real quick too. So what I gathered and, and heard, maybe even read, uh, they were going for a more modern like uh, speaker device. Um, one of those that you know it, it just kind of integrates with everybody's homes, uh, whether it's near the entertainment system whatever it may be they were trying to go with that approach which i would say you know the playstation 5 is very different it's you know it's very much a gaming console there i don't believe we're any leds or anything like flashy you know that uh that a lot of pc gamers maybe like myself there are leds uh, in the rim they do show that part was glowing blue like around the vents so they do have leds like inside by the vents okay dextrox reminds me of like a boxy amazon echo or like exactly. a really tall <laughs> yeah. Apple T, really tall Apple TV. Like you could just stack like twenty Apple TVs on the TV set top of each other. Just it looks more like a real like refined consumer electronics item than the PS5 does. I do also yeah. like green's my favorite color, so I do like that. And I'm the only thing that makes me sad about the Xbox One. And I know there's 
I don't know if it's LEDs or if there's just like a piece of plastic or something to highlight green accents in that top vent when it's vertically oriented. But I wish Xbox and PlayStation would both lean into their signature colors and even Nintendo, uh, although they, they, you know, they make the Joy-Cons all crazy colors and do some special editions. But like Nintendo's color is red, PlayStation's color is blue. Xbox color is green. Let's just stop trying to pretend like we need to be hardcore edgy adults with these pure black systems. Like, matte finish, 100% matte. Don't do gloss anymore. It's so yeah. tacky. But let's let's add some more accents of blue instead of just the LEDs. Let's, like, have the blue on there. Let's have the green, like, on the system. And I even saw, I was laughing because I do follow the, the Facebook page for xbox and they kept switching back and forth between this their logo of the xbox logo and they had like the black version and i think i actually commented like go back to the green and then like two days later they they put the green <laughs> one back up and i'm just like like come on guys like have some fun with your identity and stop being afraid like the insecure people who suddenly feel like they're immature for playing video games like people just got to get over themselves so that that's yeah. my only little disappointment there so in a way i find sony's bravery in their design at the same time as someone who's just worried even though i am responsible like with my hardware and stuff i can't help but feel like there's so many people out there that are gonna like break off those wingtips on that playstation <laughs> like yeah. in the first week like that's the story we're gonna hear of these things falling over and breaking and it, ju it just seems like that's the main reason why you don't make these like weird edges and hanging off points this is not like the red ring of death or wii remotes and tvs if that's the worst you hear from a console launch i think you're doing pretty well Absolutely. Joy-Con Joy drift. <laughs> Don't yeah, get me getting, started. We're getting a whole new set of controllers, so who knows about that? I, uh, I was surprised there was no uh, price price reveal. I was hoping that they would uh, put a price reveal out there. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. So let me ask you this, because you and I have had some separate conversations, so uh, you can go first on this. What are your thoughts and feelings about the price the potential price point for these these new consoles there's been an official statement out there from the president of playstation that they're focusing on value over price in their messaging which to me says this thing's probably going to be around like 500 600 and we know that didn't really go over well with ps3 but ps3 was also much harder to develop for and that was a whole different generation, the whole HD thing. But at, from your perspective as a consumer, you know, what are you feeling about these prices and how does that affect your purchasing decision? I, I really don't think I would pay 500 or $600 for a new system. Maybe, maybe 400 would be the most for a new system. So I'm, I might just wait till like a slim or a lower cost version comes out to get the PS5, if it's going to be priced that highly, but the digital edition does give them some room to like maybe have a lower cost system. So that's what, those are my thoughts. Okay, and let me just ask you this question just for some context, because I'm sure we all have different answers uh, regarding when we want to buy the systems and how much we're willing to pay. So I'll just keep going with you here, Mike. If it was like, let's say two years after the PS5, Came out and there was like is there a certain number of games where you'd be willing to go you know what and it's enough time has gone we're like you know what it's still five hundred dollars but i i'll uh, it's worth the five hundred dollars to me now like is there a point for you with that or are you really focused on that that solid dollar amount if there was a star wars game that really drew me in i might you know i might 
drop more than I was anticipating or wanting to spend on the system. But uh, I guess, yeah, as far as games, that would be the only thing that would be like, oh, enough time has passed and it doesn't look like they're doing any slim version. And maybe they maybe it starts out at six hundred and they dropped it a hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll just pay five hundred dollars for the system. Okay. And then we also have to address here, and this will come back to my, to to Microsoft. So they showed off a digital version of the game, and we already know that Microsoft experimented with an X a digital Xbox for the Xbox One, um, not too long ago. And there's also rumors that there will be an Xbox Series. S that should be a much cheaper, lower power, and potentially all digital version of the series of Xbox fourth generation consoles, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to repeat too many words. So, Mark, for you, where are your thoughts and feelings on these digital editions and, you know, Xbox's strategy of kind of you know, splitting the difference between PC and, and Xbox and PlayStation's more traditional console exclusive focus yeah it's uh i'm i don't own a digital only xbox one part of me is totally like you know it's, it's a no-brainer everything should be digital i have gigabit internet which of course is not everyone in the in the country but where we're headed 2021 everything should kind of just be a digital front um there's really no reason in a way for physical though i do understand the reason for collectors or to collect and et cetera, et cetera. Price point though, right out of the gate, I was thinking Xbox has to be priced around 450, no higher than 500, or they're just going to lose in this generation and then they're they're done for good. Uh, we know, you know, PlayStation has been crushing it in the current generation that we are at. They still have majority market share. And I think that that shows with a lot of the perception coming out of these these uh, presentations and i want to get to the xbox one real quick in, in a minute but yeah as far as price point i i think it's got to be 450 500 if there's a you know kind of like a pro version versus or project x version version versus digital only maybe 500 and 400 but 400 seems very low like microsoft needs to eat the cost on a, a lot of their profit out of the gate no matter what you know and, and of course then as more and more consoles are built it's going to be cheaper and cheaper so they may they may take a cut or a uh, cut for the first three plus years to just stay in the market uh with the assumption that you know people are going to be interested in the smart delivery and and the cross play between xbox one and windows 10 throw in you know potential future relationships with nintendo a lot going on uh i, I i'm aware of that but I think there's there's definitely potential uh, for more crossplay. I and I just don't know if Sony wants to be part of that too much. Those are all good points there, and so I want to ask Ed next in relation to his thoughts with next gen. You know, what decisions are you making about next gen? Your next gen purchase. You know, whether that's how far out it you'll be, what games you need, what price you want it to be, and this thought on digital versus physical where where's your head at in regards to all this well i can afford a console at 500 or 600 if there are games that i want part of the reason i like to wait is i i like to have more mature technology i i'm not usually an early adopter and i i think for that reason i think a, a slim would be would maybe happier just because it's going to be smaller a little more tested and refined at least in, in theory i would not consider a digital version 
And it's not because I don't want to buy digital games, but that's part of it. I, I usually do prefer to purchase physical games, but I think the option of physical is really important on a console because unlike PC where you have the Epic Game Store, you have good old games, you have Steam, you really only have one marketplace on uh, a console. And I think that is not very consumer friendly to only have one marketplace setting prices on a game. So I, I will do what I can as a consumer to encourage still having the option for physical games because I think that's a consumer-friendly option. But as far as pricing strategy goes, I don't know. Even 500 I think, might be too much for the average person, especially this year when economically, I don't know if everyone's going to be yeah. doing well even at the end of the year. Um, it might be a hard um, hard sell to get a console at 500 But it'll be interesting to see who announces first because uh, whoever announces first is really going to set an anchor. And if it's low i think the other company's really gonna have to match it because as we've seen with the ps4 and xbox one generation and with ps3 and 360 that the lower price console really does have a huge advantage against the competition yeah and, and, i'll go on mark i was just gonna ask a, an open-ended question but is anyone planning on a 2020 purchase for either of the consoles okay yeah, I, you know assuming things are still on track there's no delays which as of right now seems like there's not yeah, I can I can speak to that. Uh, I do want to give props to Ed's point about the marketplace thing. I, I wanted to bring that up as well, and he articulated it perfectly. I, I've I've talked to other friends who are definitely more in favor of the digital side of the of purchasing, and I I've pretty much migrated to almost purely digital. I buy all my games on Switch digitally because with it being a partially portable system, it just makes sense to not have to be swapping those little cartridges out, and it's much more convenient for that. And I've just kind of given in to Nintendo's lackluster ability which is improved but is still probably imperfect as all of them are for reinstalling games but then with playstation and xbox if we go completely digital it could be a problem of competition because right now a lot of the sales and digital aspects of it still need that competition and i don't know if physical goes away for both sides because right now physical accompanies all of the the consoles and is also competition for pcs as well if that happens will xbox and PlayStation still consider themselves enough of competition when now they have these individual platforms that they'll be like, well, our digital games don't need to really be that cheap. And I, I'm no economist either. So I don't know if maybe it will still be inherent because they still need to wage those financial politics on each other in order to sway people like, hey, if you come to Xbox, our games are cheaper. Hey, if you come to PlayStation, our games are cheaper. When I, while people do have a price value in decision making, I think or I believe that people still look more at the quality of the games that are there and they're really attached to brands. And so that leads to a very mixed thing of they may not see cheaper games as necessarily a driving factor as opposed to quality. So that's, that, that's something I think remains to be seen. I'd love to see more data on that. Now to answer Mark's specific question of who, who's planning for a, a 2020 purchase, I'm inclined to get a PlayStation 5 for several reasons not necessarily for being an early adopter it's more of i'm really eager to just play my games at higher frame rates <laughs> so mm -hmm. i really need to be talked out of being a ps5 and sony is the perfect one to do that by telling me hey we're not prioritizing high frame rates we're prioritizing high resolution and all these games are going to be aimed at 30 and probably are going to be sub 30 because that's just the way publishers have been pushing developers is to have sub-optimized games your ps5 games or your ps4 games might be backwards compatible maybe not all of them and not all of them are enhanced and you may have to pay for it if it's a third-party game and 
you know, there's there's so many of these logistics about what I really want out of the next gen, which is I want standard 60 FPS, even if that means 1080p resolution. I'm I'm not a big uh, I do like running my PC games at about 1440, and kind of echoing also what Ed said before, I can afford to buy the PS5 this year if I really want to. I've I'm I'm in the PC marketplace. I over a year ago, I bought a new graphics card for $700, which is the equivalent of buying into next-gen for consoles occasionally. So that part there is good. For the value I see in locking into that thing, I'm more like, you have to give me a price that convinces me that it's okay to even have you on my in my entertainment stand because I'm settling for less with you as opposed to all of the flexibility I get from the PC market. So I think I, I'll put I would I am inclined to put in my pre-order for a PlayStation 5, preferably the physical edition because I still buy Blu-rays. I do stream a lot, but I I like to buy movies that I really like so I can rewatch them and share them with people and, and take them around. Uh I don't have many physical PS4 games to work with uh and I've rebought a lot of them digitally on sales. So for me it's mostly the Blu-rays, but at the same time, I'm also a fan of renting games and I and I use GameFly to rent physical discs when appropriate. I haven't invested in PlayStation Now yet, but I know that's an, an option there, so I have to make a decision to buy into that. I've bought into Game Pass already, but I bought into Game Pass, so I can essentially do renting games on PC. And even though it's a subscription model, so it's not exactly renting, it's not exactly the same thing, but I like to try games before I buy them, and then you know I, I try to be responsible, and I try a game for just a little bit, and enough to know whether or not I really like it, and then go buy a full version, a new copy to help support developers. So for me, that's why I, I'm going to choose the physical edition. And really, Sony's got to put out some final details that will decide whether or not they cool off my hype and get my pre-order. Or I wait a couple years and be like, okay, well, now Horizon 2 is out and this game's out and all Spider-Man 2 is out and all these other ones. And that now I'm going to bite the bullet and see what, what happens. So that's where I stand. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's... You know, smart delivery is being pushed heavily. A lot of your current games that you own will carry over and, and be with you on the next platform. And I think that's super awesome. Like that, there's nothing, there's no disadvantage to that. But there's one. There's one. Xbox, there's one point uh, well, the developer is not getting paid more. No, the the deve- the third party publisher is not being required to do it. Yes. I don't know if you heard yeah. about EA essentially going, we're not doing smart delivery, but. Yep. will offer like a free upgrade for like the first two weeks of the next meta game. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, it's and that, a half measure. It's a half yeah. measure because Microsoft doesn't want to enforce it because they're afraid of third-party publishers backing out and just going to Sony because Sony apparently is not going to push that and maybe pushing the other side. Um, yeah. And that's, that's unfortunate because I think Microsoft has made a lot of great consumer moves. So I just wanted to make sure that was said out loud on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. So with that, it, it's just it's a hard, hard decision right now because it all comes down to the games. But I know I've been chatting with my brothers. One of them, their their disc drive in their current Xbox One is pretty much broken. So he's just kind of you know waiting it out. He's going to probably pre-order, have it day one, uh, just because he can't really play many current gen games if he has a disc copy, with the risk of it's not coming back out of that disc drive, let alone. Are there any facilities that are open for repairs for the Xbox One right now? It's it's a tricky time for sure. Yeah, although there is something I would, and I know there's just the pure preference of physical for some people, and I try not to disrespect that because 
I have my own reasons for enjoying physical, and there might be good market reasons for it to stick around as well. And there will always be that niche audience that, that appreciates physical, so that's that's always cool as well. So I wanted to float this question out to you guys, because no one's ever really done this, and they don't really want to. But how would you feel about like a program with Redemption where you could maybe send in... If we, if we came to the point where it was a digital-only console... But there's some backwards compatibility if you had a digital version. You know, what would you want to see? One scenario I was envisioning, but you guys can feel free to speculate on your own as well, was a disk redemption program. Because now there's all this digital stuff and everything has a digital version, unlike before. So what if we could send in our disks and then email address, you you email and all that stuff, and then they send you back a code and you can digitally, that way you digitally deem it. They're not worried about the disk being out there anymore, or even... For physical, because I think this would be really cool, because disk drives are very still bulky devices. A shift back to cartridges. SD cards at this point are getting sizes that are eclipsing Blu-rays, just that SD cartridges are, and I mean solid-state cartridges, are still more expensive to produce per volume than discs, so that's the main economic reason we don't see a shift back, other than discs will, you know, discs will rot, that's new information we have. Discs are a lot bulkier to store, you, if we had an SD drive and all of these, think of how much hard drive space we'd be saving. Although the PS5 kind of shows you what it looks like when you just tack on a disk drive to its system. So uh, what, what <laughs> do right. you guys think about that stuff? I had I'd some, do a uh, disk to digital. Do a disk to digital program. I already do that for some Blu-rays, so I would probably take advantage of that. And what was that about SOSD cards? I, I don't care about the medium. That doesn't really affect my, uh, my choices. As long as it was a type of physical. Yeah, I guess it's nice to have fewer moving parts that can break. But even then, you know, I've had cartridge systems where, you know, the contacts stop reading the cartridges. So there's always something to break. But you know, maybe that's an argument in favor of digital. But yeah, and I, from I what know, I've heard, I've changed some... over the years. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. And it seems like the physical stuff just holds up longer than what's up. Because, like, the disk drive lenses break and malfunction and disk rot is a thing that also can happen, apparently. So... Those are those are elements, and we'd need more data on them, and we gotta try and sort out propaganda from facts. So, uh, Mike, did you have something you want to say? And then we'll go to Mark. Oh yeah, I had had some thoughts on this because uh, there was, I'm not sure if it still exists, but there's like a disc to digital program for like DVDs, and I would just put my DVD in the computer, and they had, there was a program that would scan it, and they would give you like a digital copy. Is, so that, is that legal? <laughs> is that a legal program? No, it, it was Voodoo. Voodoo is a <laughs> yeah. service that does that. You can Voodoo. get if you have a Blu-ray, you can get you the could, digital. You could scan $2. the copies too. You could scan the UPC. Huh. Um, it was it was a legit program. I don't know if it still exists. Oh wow, it does. The, I've used it recently. Okay. And just a quick side before we kick it to Mark is, you know, that's so funny because DVDs gave up that battle and they just started including the Blu-ray, the DVD. And uh, a digital code, typically in like a single package. Maybe it was like it used to be like ten bucks, but it was at max at thirty, which wasn't much more than what new movies were launching for, anyways. When there were single copies of DVDs, but way back when. So mm-hmm. it's really surprising to see the the movie market, which is also shifting to streaming. So they have a whole other avenue of revenue that's that's happening. But it, it was strange to see them kind of quote unquote give up. And but gaming hasn't really done that, and where. I would love to see where the logistics of that are working out for why the movie movie industry is doing that and games are not. And I know game streaming and all that, that's still evolving. So maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's the 
the, the answer there, but I, I definitely love more information on that. And Mark, uh, what thoughts did you have? Yeah, kind of wrapping up. Um, one of the things, like, I feel like the perception was the biggest thing for me that distinguished these two events. So I know there was a lot of pushback on Xbox. Everybody's biggest complaint was, and I made sure to double check this, the exact title of the video was first look of xbox series x gameplay and a lot of people were up the wrong way with it you know focusing around gameplay i know we touched on that a little bit earlier on on the podcast today you know it we can argue how much of that was gameplay how much of it wasn't i, I don't think there was really a whole lot but there were still a lot of really cool things uh that was shown throughout that event in my opinion i thought it was cool but it's the first time that we saw you know the hardware in use um, we're going to see more and more software in, in months and, and time to come. Uh, and I think overall the same can be applied with the PlayStation event. You know, there was a lot of cool things shown off. We saw what it actually looks like, the controller as well. So many of the games, majority of the games are also coming to other platforms, whether it be Xbox, Switch, PC, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I was just kind of curious to hear your thoughts, uh, or everybody's thoughts really on, on perception and, and just takeaways uh after all said and done with why don't we start with ed first on this one just about the perception of the events by the general public yours yeah and but exactly um well the xbox event or the video which i did watch really didn't do it for me and i don't know if it's i don't think it's because the games aren't good it just didn't have too much that was um to my tastes much more excited about the ps5 event uh but in general, I just I just feel pretty positive about the future of gaming. It seems like uh, both consoles are going to be taking some real nice technological leaps, and uh, that they are trying different things that are more consumer friendly. Um, so I'm excited. I'm I'm hyped. I I don't know if I'm going to pre-order, but part of me thinks I might even just like snag a pre-order in case I want it because I you know, I'm not going to be be able to get a pre-order later. I can always cancel it, but All right. I don't know. Maybe that's taking it away from someone else, but <laughs> if you Who got knows? the time, money, why not, right? <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, what are your thoughts? What was the question again? Sorry, that's okay. So I was curious to gather everybody's sort of perception. Like, what is your opinions of the general perception of of both the console? I don't know if you really dove much into the Xbox presentation much, um, and and what your thoughts were there. Uh, so the, when I when I looked at the uh, Xbox in comparison with the PS5, I'm thinking, um, w what would the purpose be for me to upgrade my Xbox if I can just play all the games on my Xbox for the next two years or three years or whatever the amount of time? I mean, yeah, they'll look look better, look nicer, but I don't really see a reason to upgrade. Where with the PS4 to the PS5, like you can only get those games for those systems. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, visuals and frame rate and everything are matter. But for me, that 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 was my thought on whether I was looking at PS5 or Xbox for this generation. So far, PS5, but Microsoft still has more stuff to show. Like they have another conference in July, so anything can happen. Like. I'm not yeah. saying I'm only going to go with PlayStation, but what we saw was really cool or what they, what has been shown so far has been really cool. Even from like Halo Infinite and uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. So those are just sure. some of my thoughts. Before Birch, we get your, your response. Um, 
quick clarification question for you, Mike, uh, because you were kind of talking about, you know, upgrading from PlayStation 4 up to 5. Have they, I don't think it was included in this demo that we watched, but was it in a recent news article or something where they're only bringing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but are they only bringing like 100 of the more popular PS4 games over to PS5 or is that something... I... Yeah, it's only there's only certain they're not upgrading. You won't be able to play every single game. There's only certain games that I, you'll I be think. Able to... I think that got misinterpreted. My my understanding yeah, we, of that is clarification. That's, just, that's that's what they're promising, okay. but they're shooting for much more. Just like not every game was compatible with the PS3. There were exceptions. Maybe sure. there'll be a few more exceptions this time. But I'm I think the vast majority of games that you want to play will be will eventually be compatible. Of course. Um, I don't, they're not going to have to go to like crazy software efforts like uh, Microsoft has gone to with uh, Xbox One yeah, and, compatibility. But, and let's oh, yeah. Be yeah maybe, maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe that is going to be, all well, actually, rest, which would be disappointing. Yeah, actually, expanding just a little bit on, on what Ed's point is that's more the understanding that stuff did get clarified. The Mark Cerny's quote was an, an, a bad representation. His, his intent was to say that we've tested already like the top 100 games of PS4. So we're confident those are going to work and have some benefit. And the other half of that was supposed to be, we are testing more and it's more along the lines of what Microsoft has been doing. Not not as not as much effort coming from Sony, but testing wise, whereas Microsoft has actually done a lot of the work of the porting up to get developers to buy into this program. So they are trying to get as many there and see which ones that work and which ones are updated and probably are working with developers to be like, we'll test them and then we'll tell you what needs to get fixed until they can get their stuff to help smooth out that process. But it's it's not going to be like straight backwards compatibility, it seems. Um, but at the same time, we don't have great messaging from Sony on, on those regards. Yeah, and even with the original uh, 360 and Xbox, like, I don't think they've converted all the three. Like, I have a bunch of 360 games that I still can't play on my Xbox One that were never upgraded as far as I know. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, too, like, even, like, it's it's there, and I've carried so many of the digital games over, at least from 360, but how frequently do I actually play them? It's It's rare. <laughs> That's it's a, cool that it's there, but yeah, it's. But I feel like it matters. Like it, 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 it does. Warms it, my heart to know that I could play them. But it does for a lot of people that you know, like <laughs> kind of. I was referring to my brother earlier. His his uh, CD drive is going in his Xbox One, so he just needs a new device. You know, it, it doesn't really matter which one it is. He he just needs to be able to play games. So yeah. So uh, if I'm to answer, oh, uh, Mike, did you have more to say? Oh, I was just—I was gonna say, oh, now PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4, and PS5 all playable on one system. That's what people day want. Day one buy for me if that <laughs> happens. Day one. Right. Even I mean, if that's I never what, play them. Yeah, that's the thing. People want it, and I'll answer. Take this anecdote, and then get into my answer for Mark's question. That's what people want, even if the data is true that not a lot of people use backwards compatibility. It's a value add that says a lot for people and encourages them in order to upgrade sooner because they don't feel like they're losing out on the purchases they made. This old antiquated system of, yeah, keep your box from the old thing and just play them on there, especially with this online environment where a lot of games either require an internet connection or are dependent on being connected to the internet to function in some regard or another. 
it just doesn't make sense anymore. It's not like the Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis days where these things were completely independent, and yeah, you could throw it away in a box and then bring it out, and you know, willing that nothing is breaking from freak accidents or things like that, or malfunctions or cords getting lost. You know, you could still hook it up to a compatible TV today and and play it. it it's just a it's a straight up value add, and it's a consumer friendly decision, and it helps continue the library instead of starting fresh every single time. So it makes sense or the businesses as well, despite whatever reasoning they have, that they want people to rebuy and they want to resell us all the games anyways. That's that's part of the issue. So to answer the question about the optics, you know, Xbox One's reputation has remained tarnished from the very first presentation where they talked about trying to be like digital only and every disc will require an inter- every box will ha- require an internet connection and will check your game discs and do it, the disc will just be a digital key and all that stuff. It, it it has still poisoned the reputation from the very start of that generation, and Microsoft has unfortunately been at an entire deficit, and despite the fact that they've made Game Pass, they did so much backwards compatibility, and while there are still gaps in that, and, and Mike, I definitely want to go over like what your list of games are that don't work on there, because I'd be really interested to hear what those are. For sure. But Microsoft has been at a deficit the entire time, and that's where I think, while they've made plenty of great strides, and I'm rooting for them because I want everything to be awesome and I want a reason to own every single system, because ultimately I just want to play the best games, regardless where they are, and I will own whatever platforms I need to in order to do that. If I can own fewer, that's great. But if I need to own more, I'll, I'll figure it out. The games just have to be there. So... This is where I think it's so tricky for Microsoft and Xbox, where even any little misstep is like they are at this such a huge disadvantage from last gen in terms of optics. And I don't know what public perception, public memory is going to be like if they're going to have their event next month and then suddenly the public is going to, oh my god, Halo Infinite looks great. It Hopefully it looks great. And yeah. oh, Senua's Sacrifice 2 looks excellent. And this next thing, uh, or Hellblade 2, Senua's... I forget the rest of the subtitle. But yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like they show off more exclusives because Microsoft obviously bought up a bunch more studios and it shows off all these things. And it could and be... It's $400. <laughs> and if it's $400, if it is, right. it, it's still like that, are they suddenly going to see all this and go, heck yeah, and forget everything else and, for, and forgive everything else? Or is that going to stick there? Because now I think people are still waiting for Microsoft to really turn it around and really make it up to them with all these things, despite the fact that they've really done, but they do need to promise that everything, and they need to show it, that it's all here, and that's what they're fighting against. So I think that's why that previous presentation is such a big misstep for them, and they really needed to nail that, because they need to nail every single step there, better than as good or better than Sony, because they're at that deficit, and people are still going to be weird until you can make them forget. I don't know what it's going to take, I'm more informed, so I understand what the logistics are, and I know, like, as soon as that was turned around, I get it. But tons of other people don't, because they don't follow video game news like I do. So I don't know when that turns around or what it takes for that. But for me, it is like, yeah, I just need the right details, and I'll be looking for them so I can find a reason to buy it. Most likely, I'm not going to, but I support Xbox now through Game Pass, and whatever I might buy off the Windows Store, if there's any games that are exclusive there and won't be available on, on Steam or any other platforms I deem acceptable. Yeah. Yeah throwing a little dig there at EGS. But yeah, so that that's where I stand and how I think about currently. And I'm rooting for Xbox, so I really am interested to see what they do next. But 
that's what i think that's, is that's a great issue. point too just about like that older perception has absolutely carried through this entire generation because they kind of stumbled early on um but in hindsight though after these first two tech demos from both parties i really think that if the worst thing that people have to say about the quote-unquote first look of xbox series x gameplay is that it didn't feature enough gameplay and they've done it right you know they've they've shown off some games it was a pretty short 20 30 minutes i think um so less than half the amount of time that the playstation event wound up being um so let's see let's see how the games look and and how everything runs because they haven't said anything about always on and all these other things that people just you know lost it when when they heard these things they were like all right well i'm going to sony Right, but that's like the bare minimum that they shouldn't be patted on the back for, and games are the main reason people gravitate to platforms. And of like part of the reason that PlayStation 3 was also a flop was not only because of its really high pricing, unorthodoxly high pricing at the time, but also because they had such a low quality of launch titles and titles for a long time, but that was also due to technical issues of their developing their technology being so hard to develop for not having instructions for english developers to be on board with and that learning curve that had to take place before things picked up and then they kind of evened out by the end of xbox 360 and ps3 while ps3 was still behind it's it was not that big a gap between the two towards the end of their life cycle as it is right now between xbox one and playstation 4 so i think it's we we just don't want to give them that leeway and they really should have a messaged it better and b they should be taking responsibility for having a lot more to show at every step because they should know as a, if they really are on the consumer side they know the fact that we need to see actual gameplay to con- convince people to jump on board well as a playstation fan i hope that xbox can really knock it out of the park because i i think sony really needs them to you know keep them trying um especially from a services and value added standpoint absolutely okay so i i hope i didn't offend you mark with that that reply there (laughs) no not at all okay yeah yeah that's there's a lot of stuff we still don't know some just a few key important details and with speculation on the release date of the systems recently a big title uh, Cyberpunk 2077 got delayed again from September to November. It got curiously delayed to November 19th, which is a Wednesday. And November 19th is also not the week of Thanksgiving and Black Friday, which is clearly a big retail holiday for everyone in America, where video games also rely on a lot of big sales. So my feeling is that that game is positioned like right before playstation and xbox will be launching their new systems i don't think it'll be day and date for the two of them but i think like one of them is positioned for like the 20th or the 21st like that's the week of it that that's my my guess based on that because it's such a weird time to release a game on a wednesday especially a game that big it just doesn't make sense unless there's just something some new information that comes out that that's my take on that it's very hopeful thinking i uh i don't want to be the bearer of bad news i don't personally believe either of the consoles are going to release this calendar year kind of going back to ed's point just financially it's it's a tough market right now whether it's 400 500 600 there's a lot of people that you know it's it's not as not an easy decision for many but i'm not saying you know don't do it all together but we also have to deal with potential shortages and uh you know we we assume these things are being mass produced right now uh, yep. if not they have been all year but uh, there or were we'll definitely, de- 
or will be soon. Um, but there's definitely been a lot of delays in all sorts of industries outside of even technology. So yeah, it's like, do you want to eat or do you want right. to play PlayStation five? <laughs> we all know the correct answer to that question. Yep. What are you going to do when ramen, you can't eat ramen and ramen and PlayStation five? Yeah. <laughs> no brainer. Yeah. And, I completely understand that's a reasonable point to make. My counterpoint would be that based on the messaging so far from the companies, they seem like they really are set on releasing in 2020. And why I think it still makes sense is consoles are always kind of in short supply at the beginning because they can they ramp up production, they get started, there may be some technical flaws and they have to do reissues and, and et cetera. And with this being newer, more expensive technology, especially with the SSD tech that's coming out, they're there might be tech shortages that cause the lower supply to be at the beginning. So it might not even be a problem for them to launch because they'll be like, well, if fewer people can buy it, that's fine because that will offset our initial stock shortage that we're going to have because we can only produce so much. So I think that'll be fine. They'll let those crazy early adopters who have the money to buy it, buy it. And then the rest of the public will do what they normally do, which is whenever it makes sense for them financially or because of games or waiting for a slim edition, they will buy in whenever that is. So I, I'm seeing like there's there's possibility that the situation may still work out in their favor and it'll still make logistical sense. And it just sounds like they're committing to this marketing plan for, for the end of the year. So that's that's my current perspective, but it doesn't really matter to me if it gets pushed out. I'll be more surprised than disappointed if it does, because it just, it, it's so crazy. Like this whole year is crazy. So it'll just be one more note of like, wow, this this changed this as well, so. I do want to clarify that uh, if you do have high supply, low demand, you got a low price, the old supply demand curve. Yeah, it's you'd hope that, but it typically never works out in our favor because by that, you'd feel like McDonald's burgers should definitely be a lot cheaper. <laughs> Yeah, they should be Again, paying no, us to take like five burgers. I think the I think the demand for McDonald's burgers is a lot higher than you you think. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right about that. So I'll concede that point. Uh, but when it comes to the video games, there's just that those all those other tech parts that that could factor into costs, especially since these are physical products with boxes. And there's the two editions now, so who knows how many they're creating of each. And it uh, and if Series X and Series S end up both being a thing, there's also rumors that S might be offered with a subscription program like Xbox experimented with with the One S. Which yeah, I was thinking that same thing. Uh, whether or not Sony will ever branch out to something like that. I mean, Sony does offer PlayStation Now as streaming on PC, but that's just streaming. So there's clearly experimenting there. They're bringing some of their big PlayStation 4 titles to PC, so they might be branching out and they might be going like, hey, there's a there's a grace period here where we're going to keep our games on a system for like three years and then we'll start porting them to PC and we'll, we'll see how that evolves. And of course, once again, this all goes back to there's a lot of information we don't know and that makes the things super interesting just a um just a correction there i think playstation now you can download ps4 games on ps4 so it's yes. comparable to xbox um, game pass in that way although when i've looked i don't think the library is that appealing but it oh, is I... down to like 60 dollars a year so it's it's competitive in some ways just not one of their uh you know main promoted products i don't think they, i don't think they want you to get their games that way they don't right. want to devalue it you are right, 
I was speaking specifically to the availability of PlayStation Now outside of the PlayStation platform. Because on, on PC, it's just streaming. Whereas with Xbox, they do offer Game Pass, and you can literally download the games through Windows mm -hmm. Store. It has to be through Windows Store, but it also allows local download, not just streaming. And then there's Project X Cloud, which is a separate thing, which actually isn't part of Game Pass, but probably will be part of Game Pass at some point, depending on how Microsoft wants to play that. So yeah, and you are correct. You can download PlayStation or games through PlayStation Now on a PS4, but PS3 games are still only available through streaming, not allowed to be downloaded, which hopefully may be something that they can do with PS5 or streaming tech will just get better. But yeah, let's try not to advocate for them trying to not let us own more stuff. That's that's also dubious. Yeah, Physical um, for life. Physical for life. Well, I'm only getting a PS5 of the packing game as clubhouse games <laughs> is that your uh, your final thought on next gen right now mike yeah game of the year game <laughs> of the year 2020 all right Ed, final... awesome final Ed, thought is fine. um i i've almost pretty much almost decided on playstation 5 i'm almost not even considering xbox at this point okay and mark final thoughts on next gen at this moment at this moment, wishful thinking, hoping for a 2020 launch on both accounts, whether I buy either of those consoles this year, unlikely at this point. Um, hoping though within like the next, or sorry, within the first six months of the re release, wow, can't talk, uh, is what I'm hoping for. Um, likely, I mean, let's be real, probably going to be Xbox as it has been for a long time. Okay. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. I think this has been another amazing discussion. Clearly, there's going to be new information, and we'll be talking about it outside the podcast, and we'll discuss whether or not it's it's worthwhile getting on and recording a follow-up discussion to this. Me, personally, I think we definitely should hold off until something's out, and maybe we've bought some of the next-gen stuff and see where it is, or we'll just, you know, it'll be tangential to whatever other topics we choose to cover. But yeah, next-gen is going to be super interesting. There's so many new variables out there, and uh, I'm definitely going to buy an Xbox One Series controller. I'm always interested in trying new controllers. And as long as the Windows Store's best compatibility <laughs> is with those, I, I kind of need to buy one in the Xbox uh, one controllers are still pretty darn good as well. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm going to buy a PlayStation 5 for sure, unless new information shows that I no longer need to. But yeah, that's where it is. And then let's hope also Nintendo's uh, next-gen plans, whenever they go, well, that's probably when we'll have another next-gen talk, is when Nintendo <laughs> reveals whatever they're going to do with their Switch and how that compares to the hopefully then-released Xbox One, uh, Xbox Series playstation 5 is thanks guys for being here i wish you well and we'll talk again soon thank you thank you thank you and take care audience have a great one bye